Welcome to the Backtrack Films Podcast, where we cover the things you never knew you wanted to know about movies. I'm your host, Keith. This is Byron. I'm Jacob. And our main topic this week is our top ten films of all time. Uh, we decided just to kind of do a chill week for the 70th episode. People are busy, so this is a good time to kind of fit this in. So what we're going to do is we're each going to go around and say... That uh, we'll start with 10, obviously, or whatever, and then each say our top 10, and then just go down the list with kind of a little explanation of uh, why they kind of appeared on the list, where they did, and what the film means to you, or whatever, whatever caught your eye. You know, I think we all have different reasons why top 10, what, why it's in our top 10, whether it's a good movie or a movie that we just really like, so, you know, right. g- giving some reasoning why uh, behind that. Um, and we're just going to and they keep it chill today. Go for it. So, yeah. I think Byron said he wants to kick us off because he's been struggling. <laughs> this has been a life crisis uh, for him. Yes, this has been ridiculously hard. <laughs> There's too many good fucking movies out there. <laughs> yeah. Out of all the 70 episodes we've done, this is the hardest episode so far. This yeah, no, this is by far definitely the hardest thing that I've had to do on this podcast because it's just like it's hard to differentiate the ones that have like really influenced me and the ones that I can like revisit over and over again that it could be, you know, it's like finding that balance between the ones that I hold in like great honor to the ones that like are just like my fucking favorite movies, you know? So what, okay. So maybe we should just talk about that real quick before we jump right into it. So like, what does your guys' top 10 reflect more? Do you think like me, obviously it's going to reflect you. (laughs) <laughs> but like, is it movies that you personally think are awesome, or is it movies Both. that you think like people need to watch because of the qualities that they have? Like, not necessarily. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, it's for for me, it was like diving into what I really like, what I think is really good. Some of it I know isn't like the best of the best, but I think in general, all these movies are good movies, except for maybe. One is, I think people could could say they didn't like, but the, well, all the movies are like generally liked uh, th- okay. throughout every every one. I'm pretty sure, um, yeah, throughout the collective. But it, but they they do mostly reflect just my my a uh, uh, combination of my personal taste and what has touched me, and also uh, what I feel like I felt the need to branch out and do a whole variety of films because i feel like i like p- parts of art films i like parts of comedies so i i, I have a I have a very like wide amount what am I trying yeah to do you guys here? feel like you had to like you had to diversify it a little bit yes a little bit yeah yeah, I, yeah. Okay. kind of but not really I, I don't know i think like my if you were really to dive into it like you could see that like there are similarities with all of there the has top to be, 10 you know like, yeah. but yeah. for me it was really hard because I, I i think my top 10 basically reflect on the ones that like as a whole the vision is what i strive to do with my own work and also ones that i just find myself just falling in love with every time i watch them mm-hmm. there are some films that i yeah. love a lot that I rewatch, but maybe I have to be in a particular mood or I have to like, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. But totally. these ones, it's like yeah. it's like when they're on, I can't stop watching them, and I ha I have to finish the movie. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like so that's kind of what what these represent, I think, for me the most. But they're not necessarily the ones that I would like. Maybe even revisit all the time. It just I I find myself can't. I, I found myself not being able to like separate myself and the film. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's pretty good. Pretty good uh, description of it. Because like for me too, it's like. These are ones that, if I'm making a movie, these are the ones that I would look at to help yeah. me. Like, yeah. when I need support, hmm. when I need that, like, <laughs> kick or the thoughts or whatever, like, a lot of these are, are that. But also, they reflect, like, the aspects of filmmaking that, all, kind of on a philosophical side of things, Sweet, kind yeah. of are like, these are what are important to me in this process, and, like what I like to think about and it helps kind of influence my style and voice yeah. too of like mm. you know these are the ones that really like and for different reasons too like some were just like the first time I watched it it was like a you know right. revelation it was yeah. like holy shit yeah. I never realized yeah. like you could do that Yeah, you know so and I, and you know I think all of them for me are obviously personal taste too like and films that I feel like I could easily recommend right you know yeah. right. some might be a struggle to watch more than others for some people but right. I would feel comfortable recommending yeah. all 10 of them and saying, here, right. watch this. Like, So, question for you guys. How many of these are ones that you... Or Two questions. How many of these films have we watched on the podcast? And how many are films that we that you watched for the first time on the podcast? Like, did you have any like podcast change your top 10 list type, type of stuff? Because there, there is, on mine, I'll just, I'll just give it away, there is one... There, there is one film on my best <clears throat> film that I watched because of this podcast, and there's two honorable mentions. Old boy, old boy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell us. But that's Don't tell us. I'm not um, going to tell you. Half my list we've talked about on the podcast. So I don't know um, what that says about this podcast and how much influence I have on it, but um, yeah, half the list we've talked about. I would have to say. We, I just want to know if Free for Madness, the mo movie musical, is on your guys' list. Or at least on an honorable that's on mention. The, I would no, use that movie to wipe not. my ass. <laughs> it sounds very uncomfortable. We have... There's some on my list that we've talked about, but not like it's, it hasn't been like the main topic of discussion. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's, they've been, yeah. it's been brought up, but it's not like the film we've watched. There, I oh, think it's there like Trash Humpers or something. Couple, yeah. There might be a couple on there that, that we have talked about yeah i don't feel like any of my films come out of left field really I, um I, which kind of is unfortunate because yeah. i wish it was more of a surprise but i think I, I i might have a few surprises um but i don't know i think you you guys are gonna be surprised by a couple of mine i think in good right. and bad ways i think <laughs> let's jump into it then i want to be surprised uh, all right byron's gonna kick us uh, off and so I, guess. I just i just do my number 10 right just do your number yeah. ten, and we'll each do yeah, we'll each do ten, nine, eight, yeah. So okay, sweet. And I'll just go next, I guess. Unless so, you want to go next, Jacob. I don't no, know. No, you got it. Let's go clockwise. All right, let's um, do it. My number ten would be Paul Thomas Anderson's 2012 film, The Master, with uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman. And Not surprised. It's like one of those movies that it's like kind of like a character study, you know? Like it's like you're just following Joaquin Phoenix and his performance. It's just, it just kind of, it just sucks me in like every time. It's like the perfect description for me of like 
um, uh, how an actor can carry a movie, but then the way <clears throat> Paul Thomas Anderson just like directs the movie and it, it, you know, it's shot on, well, it's, you know, 70 millimeter. I think it was shot on like 60 millimeter, but like, you know, mm. 70 millimeter. And um, it's just everything I like about like movies. I mean, really almost like it, it's just like perfect. It's long, you yeah, know, and it's, it's, yeah. it's weird. Um, it does go in a weird direction. Yeah. I've seen it once and I feel like. I feel like it's one of those movies that I know is good, but I just couldn't get it. It wasn't yeah, it wasn't in that movie I was in the mood to watch at the time. Right. Like I needed to know more about it so that I could like get into it. Yeah. Same. That's same. It's for me, I it's, forgot the entire movie. Like I, oh, wow. I watched it. I remember I plugged it in. I, I couldn't tell you what it's way. about. I kind of feel yeah. the same way. Mormons, I think. It's about cult. No, cult, not Mormons. Right? It's Sci- a cult. Oh. It's, it's closest yeah, to Scientology. Yeah. Oh, Scientology. Yeah, okay, yeah. that's what I'm thinking. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Because um, they do those moments where they're talking to each other. Yeah. And whatever, and he's trying to suss out the like information. Basically, there's, there's all these mm-hmm, little mm-hmm. scenes that don't necessarily have anything to do with the rest of the movie, but but yet they do. When you yeah. look back on it, and you're like, "Fuck," you know, I've seen that movie so many times. It's like. Yeah, it's just great. I don't know. It's one of my favorites. Inherent Vice stuck with me more than that one did. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. But Inherent Vice is also like a like SoCal fucking seventies right. noir right. mystery <laughs> film too. So right. But nice. Yeah. yeah. That's a good Sweet. good choice. No, PTA P- didn't make my list unfortunately. Oh wow. <laughs> he's the guy. I, I just I don't know. You really got to be in the mood for his right. stuff. Right. Yeah. Because it's like reading a dense novel. It's, yeah. it's so slow. Yeah. <laughs> like all of his movies are so slow. Yeah. Yeah. But he's he's on he's on my list. Ooh. As one as one of mine. Yeah. I wonder which one. <coughs> I know. There will be blood. I think it's Magnolia. Oh, could be. He has, I haven't seen Magnolia. He, it's funny. Oh, fuck. It's funny, though, because... But it is on here. He has multiple films. Um, he has multiple films that uh, have some of the best long takes. Yeah. Or considered some of the yeah. best long takes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Master has the cool shot right at the beginning from the top down of the on the boat. Oh, yeah. When There's he's laying so all many sprawled good shots. out, hanging yeah. off. Yeah, that's a cool shot. Cool. All right. So my number 10 is Suspiria. Which I watched, rewatched Ooh. last night because it was kind of teetering and I wanted to make sure that it was there. Yeah. And it's there. Um, <laughs> dude, the film just has like, it's got it all, man. It's intense horror, amazing color. The, the way he lights stuff with the, the heart, the very saturated, solid blues and reds, greens. In fact, this is the film we should have talked about when it came to red because red <laughs> is just everywhere. The framing is awesome. The weird, the his the warping that they do with the, the wide lenses. Um, the soundtrack, obviously, it's one of the greatest soundtracks ever. And like, <laughs> the story is like, it's good and it's, well, you know, I'd probably say it's pretty great. But I wish it was a little bit deeper. I wish they kind of pushed into it more. So yeah. I'm hoping that the new one kind of like digs a little bit deeper into well, the kind of which side of things. It's close to three hours. So oh, is it that I long? Th- I think so. It's over two and it's like two and a half hours long. Oh no wait, yeah. dude, I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm so excited. It's a fast watch, man. I think it's I think it's gonna really be a good a good retouching of yeah. it. Yeah. Is, it's just a great movie, dude. This movie, nice. It's just really important. It really opened up horror for me as a as like the techniques of it yeah and so the way i kind of built my list i was telling byron this but i'll I'll tell you guys this too so um basically for all my films they each kind of represent something in filmmaking 
that kind of huh. connects with me. So each one I'll kind of end probably with this idea. So for in this case, this film represents kind of the maverick nature of like the best films ever made. Just Sweet. You, you just got to fucking do it, dude. Yeah, just and do not care. Argento, yeah. balls, you can just balls to the wall. Yeah, yeah. and just yeah. you you feel you find you yeah. and you just do you. Yeah. And Argento did that. Yeah, and for sure. That's what this film for is sure. really. So. That's cool. I'm really excited to watch that because we're going to do that for this pod with, we will. with the new Suspiria. We will do the old yeah. Suspiria. Yeah. 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 It's going to be sweet. It'll be great. It's going to be a great episode. All right, Jacob. Okay. Uh, so number 10 for me is The Iron Giant. So nice. the oh, Warner wow. Brothers okay. uh, nice. Brad Bird film. Okay. Um, animated. I'm movie. curious to and see how many animated films are on your list. You don't yeah, have to say no, many, there's it, it this is not the last one uh, <laughs> on the list. Um but uh yeah, Iron Giant, I just uh, you know, I watched it when I was a kid so it has a kind of nice nostalgic uh, feel whenever I kind of revisit this movie, but uh one thing I really like about it is it's it's PG and it's like about as like hard as you can get for a kids movie. You know, like it's there's a lot of death in it. There's like the the main monster guy learns about or i'm sorry the, the 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 giant robot the iron giant learns about death and and it's just this really touching heartwarming story at the end and there's like a nuclear bomb that's going to go off and it's just like has these really great stakes to it uh and and it's like this kid named Hogarth which is a hilarious name uh, but he's he's uh growing up too like throughout this thing so like the he needs the iron giant the Iron Giant needs him, and they kind of teach you teach each other stuff. Um, so I just think it's really like well crafted in like that to like two characters coming together and, and learning something from each other uh, kind of way. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's I just think it's a really good movie, and uh, it's you know it's just really close to my heart. Nice. Uh, really, really, really speaks to me. You know, a lot. Of, I think a lot of these movies on my list will be like. Hey, I like these as as a kid, or they're really close to my heart, or they're a little nostalgic. Um, for looking at this list now, that's kind of almost all of them. So that was I. That's yeah. awesome. Iron Giant. I think that movie Iron is Giant. important to a lot of people. Yeah, really. Yeah. It's like I remember, it really I remember is. Remember that came kid? Out of nowhere. Yeah, I watched that movie all the time when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, that was, was a movie. great movie. Yeah, it's really interesting looking at Brad Bird's filmography too, because so Iron Giant was his debut. Oh no yeah. way! And then he did The Incredibles, Ratatouille, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol. Tomorrowland yeah. and Incredibles 2. Wow. He's got a very odd filmography. Yeah. A lot yeah, of money. He wants to do <laughs> a lot of money. A lot of, a lot of money. <laughs> very successful. Holy crap. But he, he grew up doing, like, he, he went through the ranks as, like, an animator. You know? Yeah. So he's, he's a pretty old guy uh, now for a director, but most directors are pretty old. But uh, he, he went through and, and was an animator for a very, very long time. Totally. And then he started doing uh, his own uh, directorial projects. And, you know, I, I mean, he is, like, one of those directors that really speaks to a lot of people mm -hmm. you know and is making these bigger commercial movies but i think he's one of these like special guys who who, who can uh do it in a very unique way and i really i really want to see like what what he does next you know because he hates doing sequels like they he they twisted twisted his arm to do the incredible sequel so um you know we'll see that's pretty see refreshing that's refreshing yeah nice all right i guess we can kind of I hope we should speed it up maybe a little bit. But, all right, Byron, number nine. Okay, so number nine. You guys are going to hate me for this, but uh, <laughs> it's a tie. And it's a tie. My nine's a tie, too. <laughs> it's, it's a tie because nice. there, 
I like them for the exact same reasons, and okay. it's uh, 1982's Blade Runner by Tony uh, Richard uh, Ridley mm. Scott, and uh-huh. 1974's Chinatown by Roman Polanski. They're both okay. noir films that don't take place, or they're not made <clears throat> it during like when noir films were like big. Yeah, you know, one is set in the noir era, Chinatown, but it's it's not like any noir film that you would have seen made in the fifties or, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a new take on it. And then Blade Runner obviously is a sci-fi noir. So for those reasons, they're both very moody and the cinematography, the lighting just spot on for noir, but just in a completely different way than the typical yeah. black and white way. So that's why I love them. Cause you're just, in there you're following jack nicholson you're following harrison ford into this world and los angeles is a different world in chinatown than it is mm. in most totally. like you know what i mean totally is. and then you know obviously the futuristic world of blade runner is just a whole other world so for those i like the immersion that both of those movies bring and for that for the same reason that's why i couldn't i couldn't distinguish <laughs> the two of them. no that's, that's <laughs> yeah fair. yeah that's fair it's um, interesting yeah yeah i think both of those films are obviously important in cinema and actually um Chinatown is one of those ones, if you dissect the writing of it, you can learn a whole lot about screenwriting. Like, that's one of those scripts that if you're going to actually learn to do any sort of writing in film, you have to read Chinatown as part of, like, your process. Oh, for sure. Because it's so well-written. Um, and it all has, the subtext and everything. Who, who wrote that? Robert uh, Town, script. I think, yeah. right? And he's huh. got, in that last line, is just killer. You know? Possibly some of the best, maybe the best in cinema. Hmm. Absolutely. All right. Uh, my number nine is also a tie for films that are for completely different reasons and completely different <laughs> movies. Um, so Tree of Life and Hero. Oh, cool. So nice. Tree of Life really opened my eyes to the power of cross-cutting using unlike images to evoke emotion and interconnected ideas. Oh, yeah. So that's the, the thing that Malik does is he'll just cut out to something. Yeah, different. That makes no sense, but it it you just begin to feel you yeah. know at the, at the time it doesn't make sense when you cut. Five minutes later, you'll you'll feel the impact yeah, of it. Yeah, but it works. You know yeah. what I mean. And it's so like, it's like just be, and what I I've always been in search of that. I just don't like traditional editing. Yeah, I that's just, the avant-garde like Keith it, speaking. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. yeah. It's, it's, the, it's, the, like, it's the it's the experimental side. It's yeah. the like I just don't. You know, he'll just cut to suddenly you'll be in Sean Penn's world and suddenly you'll right. be in Brad Pitt's. And it's just like, there's no, there's a rhyme and reason to it, but it's different. And it's, if you don't feel it out, yeah. you're never going to get it. Um, so just focusing on that. And he just maximizes the power of editing, you yeah. know what I mean, for film. Uh, Hero, mm-hmm. beautiful movie. I mean, we've talked about this. For all three Color. of us, Hero is just gorgeous. The colors are superb, the fight scenes are beautiful. The emotion is there. The story is so great. Just this, this, this telling of retelling, telling and retelling and retelling of a story, and things get complicated. Yeah. And he, it's all just for one goal. And that music, the music, <laughs> and then really, I think the sheer scope of it, yeah. um, with all the extras, yeah. with the huge size of the sets, and just the power yeah. that he evokes, mm-hmm. with the size and scope. Um, so really, these these two films for me represent film as like an actual art form because they're both just i think pushing the boundaries of artistic the artistic side of film all right that's great um so 
should I do number nine and number eight since you guys did a tie? No, just number nine. No, okay. yeah, just number nine. Yeah. Oh, so oh, so if do you, you do a tie, you get to. I'm I'm I might. Okay. No, I, <laughs> I get to sneak another film in here. Do then, your tie. Then, yeah, well, because we said we I'll could. Do, yeah. I mean, try oh, I to... I thought I thought a tie was like between eight and nine. It's not a big oh, deal. Oh, okay. That's what you're saying. It's not a, it's not a big not a big deal. Yeah, um, so number nine uh, for me is this tiny little movie called <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm, mm, interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. So what I what I really like. I mean, this is like as studio as studio gets. You know what I mean? Pretty it's much. um. It's Gore it's, it's right. Mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. uh, based on the theme park ride, you know. So it's already like as commercial as as possible. But the uh, movie, uh, when when I watched it, I it really just had no right to be as good as it was, you know. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> and I think that's why I liked it so much. I I, I watched it uh, a ton in in the theaters um, and. One thing I really like, like looking back on it, because I do watch it on occasion, is how they use hair, makeup, and costume in this movie, because it's very, very effective. Um, like what they do, like well, with Will Turner's character, they, they, um, well, his clothes kind of loosen up and his hair comes out, and same with Elizabeth uh, Turner in in in, in the first one. Um, so. I don't know. It's just like a really well-made movie, very visual. Um, you know, all the surprises. There's so many surprises in the movie, um, and I, I just think it's like really tightly crafted. Uh, e- even though maybe it comes from a place of commercialization, it still is about as entertaining as as you can get for a movie like that. Yeah. So that's why number nine is pirates. I kind of want to rewatch that movie just so I can kind of have that sense because I feel there is some sort of nostalgic factor for me because like Dude, it's... I've ridden that ride countless times yeah. i mean i've been to disney a lot and i remember seeing that movie and it's just there there's something for kind me of, it's the, all about the third one i love the, the third, third one. one the third one is awesome yeah. See, I haven't uh, seen that one. but the f- really for me like the first of any movie is the is the best like my favorite lord of the rings is the first one. Oh wow yeah. see it's not for me yeah my favorite was the third one it takes you some time to get into it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. That's awesome. Uh, all right. Number eight. Okay. You guys are really going to fucking hate me on this. Okay. Um, number eight. <laughs> Fuck you for making your own list. <laughs> Is another tie. <laughs> oh, my God. I only have one I'm adding more ties. I'm um, adding more ties to mine right now. Spring Breakers by Harmony Crane, 2012 film, and the 2003 Lars von Trier film Dogville. And Dogville, yeah. Okay. So interesting. Dogville is one of those movies. It's a three. It couldn't be any more different than um, than than Spring Breakers, and that's why I couldn't differentiate between which ones I liked more. So, you know, Spring Breakers is neon, flashy, a lot of colors. The cinematography is amazing. It's what I like to do a lot in my own films. It's like, it's just spectacularly visually. You know, it's yeah. like it's also cut up weird and things you're seeing and you're hearing things that you're not seeing and all this stuff. And then it's the complete opposite for Dogville, where he literally strips the entire world away. And you're basically, the whole movie takes place in this darkened, like, theater setting where walls are, like, literally chalked on the floor, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff. It's mm. very um, experimental, and it's all about the story. Um, and I just, it's one of those movies that, the story just grabs a hold of me every time I watch it, and like it's, I think 
Lauren Bacall's in it. Yeah, wow. it's 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 just phenomenal. The cast is just massive. You know, Chloe Sevigny, Ben Gazzara, Nicole uh, Kidman, Peter Skarsgård, Stellan um, Stel- Stel- Skarsgård, yeah. uh, Nicole James Kidman, Con. James Caan, um, uh, Willem Dafoe, I think, uh, or maybe that's Mandalay. Mandalay. Think? Yeah, I don't. See yeah, he's in Mandalay. It's a huge, um, huge it's cast. Just, massive there's even more people in it than that um it, it's just phenomenal movie oh udo kier is in it and you know uh yeah, <laughs> like, um, them, yeah. and it's it's just one of those movies that it's probably the movie that i i don't get touched in movies but it's the one that has gotten me the closest to actually feeling something in a movie you know what i mean it's one that i haven't seen hmm. from him yet it's unfortunately it's one where it's just like by the end of it, I was elated. The ending, again, is just phenomenal. And then Spring Breakers, man, I just love Harmony Crenn, and he's just fucking, again, kind of like how Keith likes spirits, balls out, man. He just did it, his own thing. And, you know, it's not a movie, it's a film. Like, it, it really is saying yeah. a lot without having to say it. Really, You know what I mean? Like He's, he's like a modern Argento in yeah. that sense, where it's just, it's him, his style, and he doesn't give a fuck. It's all about mood and, <laughs> and just craziness. So, I, yeah. I, again, I just couldn't, There, I like them for the complete opposite reasons that's why i couldn't like pick which one i like better how many more ties right. do you have i can't say god dang it <laughs> they're all ties they're all ties i'm just not even bothering with ties man i couldn't i couldn't even place okay. another movie against another it's tough <laughs> yeah so all right my all number right, eight is the revenant Ooh, nice um i mean long, i mean i've been pretty open about this long takes are my favorite technique in filmmaking uh, especially when they involve the steady cam, there's just something about that feeling that you get the when you're floating, floating around. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and the the revenant mixes it up. There's a lot of uh, you know shoulder. Yeah. Um, just I don't know why I'm blanking, but yeah, there's a lot of just fucking holding the camera. There's a lot of steady cam, and it's just it just takes the execution of a long take to the next level. Yeah. You know that scene mm-hmm. where they get attacked and they're all trying to get to the boat is just is masterful. Um, the choreography and, and the intensity of it and it's just you feel it. Every part of the film you just feel and that, you know, the bear scene obviously is is pretty infamous now, you know. And I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. that happens in a long take if I remember correctly. Uh, but I just the pacing and the the feeling you get the natural feeling of that um you just you know you can't beat um fucking chivo yeah yeah it's it's tough um and i think it really is a good example of what a film can be when you like literally go to the ends of the earth to make your vision happen yeah because they really went out there and and the crew suffered a lot um you know dicaprio put himself through you know he gets a lot of the praise but you know the 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 people who actually made the film were out there too yeah, and they put a lot of their own life on hold and and really push to make one person's vision. Um, so, and it's just a movie that I, I can go back to like every time. It's just it's awesome every time I watch it. Um, it's kind of awe inspiring. So, to me, this film represents the long take, and I love the long yeah. take. <laughs> nice. I re- I really like the uh, the the close ups in in that movie. How he you know gets his lens mm-hmm. right up in there. You know, it's mm-hmm. like he's shooting on like a twenty or something. Yeah. You know? I don't think they shot anything past like a twenty-four yeah, or something. It's the got whole to be time. super wide. Yeah, yeah. and you get crazy. some of the mo- you know the most beautiful vistas you've ever. I mean, that scene where they have the the uh, small uh, avalanche. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. real. I mean, yeah, they blew up the side of the mountain with dynamite to make the snow fall. You know, and they did it like they said they had like two takes or something, Fuck. and they had to pretty much get it 
you know, and time it perfectly with the way the camera moves around and just, it's insane, dude. It's ins- it's a really insane movie. It really yeah. is a movie that shouldn't have ever been made, but here we are. <laughs> it's one of those movies that, like, they just don't get made anymore. They don't. You know? Like, it's so rare to that's have why it's like all, that yeah, made, yeah, sure. It took, like, five it's years like a, to get made, You too. need a s- unique voice to, to, mm-hmm. to bring that movie out. Someone with a l- enough power, you know? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like the guy who just won an Oscar for Birdman, you know? <laughs> God, which is a dumb movie, which is funny that The Revenant's on my list, but I really just don't like Birdman. That's like, at hilarious. All. So I like funny. the drummer. That's all I like. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, what are we on? Eight? Eight. Uh, okay, so number eight for me is Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Uh, so really? I'm a big comedy guy. <laughs> and uh, to me, this surprise. is like... This is the epitome of what I like in a comedy movie. Uh, Forgetting Star Marshall is totally for dudes. You know, it's it's definitely like a dudes kind of movie. It's definitely catered towards 17-year-old boys, which when this movie came out, I was one of those. Um, but basically, like, I think this movie is just freaking hilarious all the way around. You know, Jason Siegel's hilarious and he's ginormous. Uh, he's like a giant baby in this movie. Um... <laughs> Let's see. Um, Your favorite shot Paul, was the penis shot. Yeah, right? the, the penis, penis shot. shot. That's when another. That's another thing. That's, like, that, that's, what I, that's exactly what I was thinking. The... He does have a large penis in this movie. If you watch the unrated version, and that's the it's, only nudity. That's the only one movie, that I've, is, I've seen. The unrated version. That's the only penis you've seen. <laughs> that too. <laughs> Can't find mine yet. Um, so mine's literally inverted. <laughs> God. Oh god. Okay, so forgetting Sarah Marshall. So yeah, it's I just think it's really good. You know, Russell Brand is hilarious and he just kind of came and went. I'm not sure what he's doing nowadays, but uh he's funny. Paul Rudd is, has most underrated Paul Rudd uh performance and lines in this movie. He has all these stupid fucking things that he says throughout <laughs> the entire movie and it's all funny and I quote it all the time. Um, my I watched it recently with my wife, and she was like, "Oh, you say that all the time." <laughs> you know? I was like, "Yeah, I do." <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's just it's a great movie, and um, you know, it's just like it's studio comedy. It's just like the the best you could get. Uh, you know, I mean, it, that's just my opinion, uh, but I'm sure you know there's other ones that are just like it. But I think Jason Siegel and Paul Rudd and all those guys. Plus, I think Milo Kunis is really attractive. Same with Kristen Bell. So uh, it's hard to. Kristen Bell really nails this role. It's not. It's not just that they are attractive, and that's the only reason. Like I think uh, they both really fit into their roles that they're that they're playing. Um, especially Kristen Bell, she plays like the ex girlfriend really, really well. And I have been talking a long time, so now it's your guys' turn. <laughs> yeah, you can see how that her character kind of from that translates well to the Good Place. I don't know if you ever watched that show. I haven't um, seen it, but you'd really I, like that show a lot. Actually, yeah, I want to watch. I know what it's about. Yeah, I don't watch a lot yeah. of like TV comedy, but that's one that I, I think is is pretty solid, actually. Yeah, she's great. All right, Byron, sweet so, knockout uh, number seven. Number seven for me is nineteen seventy nine's Francis Ford Coppola's uh, Apocalypse Now. No yeah. shit. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, Apocalypse yeah. Now is... I just saw Keith's boner. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> I mean, it is probably the greatest film ever made in the sense of, like, scope and pure visionary audacity slash insanity. insanity you know? <laughs> like, the fact that Coppola, like, actually, or Coppola, however you say it, is like he i mean he got like crazy making the movie like mm-hmm. is so fucking cool to me 
Like, yeah. I wish I can make a movie that will fucking drive me insane. You know what I mean? Like, I, I really do. Because <laughs> with that comes fucking greatness. It's like, kind of true, though. Like, like it's, you know, like, I would sacrifice my fucking ear if I could have a painting, you know, as good as anything Van Gogh did. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't mind getting into that, like, if I, if needed, you know? As long as the, that art was good, and for me, that's what I see as Apocalypse Now. It's fucking art. Like, you honestly, you honestly, maybe can't get a, you can't almost, you can't beat Apocalypse Now. It's tough. You know what I mean? It's and tough. It's like, how can that ever be recreated again? You know, I, I, I want to, but I know, right? But it's like it's it's almost unfathomable about how that film was made and it's just amazing it's also like it aged so well that it almost doesn't need to be recreated it's a fucking no yeah like you can yeah yeah, i get that in the 70s like there's technology in there that dates it but it's like it actually looks as good as any modern film yeah no for sure it's in it's it's a fucking (laughs) it's like a legend it's a myth it's like this it's more it's greater than what it really is i I don't know yeah sure totally um, well, look forward to hearing more about that movie in <laughs> 40 minutes. I've been pretty open. Yeah, I'm pretty open about it. I love Apocalypse now. Um, and I, no, I like I like that it's on your list, and I like how you brought your perspective, your thoughts on it, uh, compared to like the way Sweet. I think about it. Sweet. Um, so my number seven is The Shining. Oh, nice. Ooh, Cooper. Yeah. I mean, he was a real master. Yeah. I mean, there's so much that has already been said about him. But I really think that if you like, like really everything you need to know about making movies can be learned from watching his filmography. Right. Yeah, I mean he's done it like he's mm-hmm. touched on so many genres. His stuff is so smart, and it just it just works every yeah. time. Um, and he's kind of just got a little bit of everything for everyone. Yeah, I mean what 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 genres didn't he do? You know what I mean? He's one of the few directors that actually he's conquered on, like everything, almost yeah. everything. Some you know? of his earlier mm-hmm. stuff was like comedy, black comedy. Yeah, yeah. You know, he did war multiple times. He did yeah. war. He did noir. He did fucking science fiction, science fi, he did dystopia. dystopian science fiction. Yeah, he did horror. horror. You know, he did drama. fucking drama period yeah. drama. Like, and then he did you know kind of erotic, erotic thriller, drama like, thriller. Yeah, yeah. So he kind of he really touched on everything, and everything he touched. He really just left a mark, and like you just can't you can't not be influenced by the guy. I mean, look at Wes Anderson, one of the most popular filmmakers today. I mean, his film like his filmmaking is Kubrickian. Yeah. Period. Like it just is because um, of this the center point and all that. Yeah, and just the way yeah. he likes to to play things out is just very Kubrickian. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think The Shining in particular really shows us the power of tone <clears> and <throat> how breaking the rules in filmmaking really helps evoke the feelings of unease that yeah. like horror really needs. So it's just a good masterclass of understanding. Like you don't need what modern horror tries to do to make horror. Right. You just need dread. You need the feeling of like, you know, something's going to happen. And then with some payoff that something does happen. Yeah. Right. But it really is just a different type of horror. I think it's a real pinnacle of the genre. Uh, so for me, this film represents like, the important not i don't know if it's the importance but it represents genre and just yeah. thinking about genre and if you're going to work in genre or mash genre up understanding what genre is right so hmm. sweet that's yep. a good pick all right number seven jacob uh for me this is going to be my paul thomas anderson pick mm. which is punch drunk oh, love nice. yeah uh, the comedy drama 
Yeah. But the, uh, so, you know, I, I grew up on Adam Sandler. Uh, so I think this is part of why I picked this movie as like a Paul Thomas Anderson uh, thing. But it's really kind of the least Paul Thomas Anderson-y of all of his movies, I, I would say. Or, or um, is it? You know what I mean? Or it might not be. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, I really like the, really just going back to our podcast term, movie baggage. Like I like what the movie baggage did for this movie, mm-hmm. you know, and I like the, I, I, I like the certain shots. Like there's a lot of really bold shots in this movie that, that, um, do uh, that just have stuck in my mind, you know, like when he's, he, he throws like a glass plate or something and it shatters and everyone turns and looks at him. Uh, and it's just this shot of him standing in the foreground and there, his whole family is staring at him and Paul Thomas Anderson put a mirror up in the corner and it is his face, a reflection in the mirror, and in the mirror he's staring back at himself like he's judging himself <laughs> yeah. for what he did. Yeah. And it's just like those little things like that that um, I really appreciate in his in his in this f- filmmaking stuff. It's just all these really interesting choices and like you know putting the love thing on his on his wrist and, sh- and shit. So it yeah, also got Paul Thomas Anderson the best director prize at the Cannes Film Festival that year. Oh, it did. Yeah. See, I, I have good taste. See, <laughs> Sarah Marshall, <laughs> Punch Drunk Love. <laughs> uh, interesting. Punch Drunk Love stars the same woman who is in Breaking the Waves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Emily, uh, Watts. Emily Watson. Watson. Um, which, if you've never seen Breaking the Waves, it is nothing like Punch Drunk Love. And it's extremely <laughs> intense in a different way. So, uh-huh. uh, highly recommend that movie too. Um, all right. Uh, I really, I actually haven't seen Punch Truck Love yet. I haven't it's seen good. enough of it's Paul good. Thomas Anderson, but like I said, he just—he's one of those guys you got to be in the mood for. Yeah, that is true. <clears throat> All right, number six. So my numero seis is uh, David Lynch's 1997 film Lost Highway. Nice. Yeah, um, it's—I get again. It's one of those movies that I just. I can watch over and over again and dissect and, and, and find something new, you know, in hmm. everything that I've, I've, um, I just, it, it has everything that I like in movies, you know, the sexy, mysterious woman, the troubled man, fucking murder, fuck, um, you know, uh, voyeurism, surveillance, uh, um, you know, just odd behavior, um, huh you know seedy dudes gangsters it just has everything in it man and it's just it's so cool and there's even one of the guys um who who plays like kind of like this mysterious man in the film actually killed a guy in real life and you know was in prison and he was also (laughs) ironically um starred as one of the infamous killers in um the movie in cold blood uh which was based on capote's true life oh, sure. thing and and so he was oscar nominated i believe for that performance and then he actually ended up actually like killing someone and getting it off like he he, he got off scot free um for it and then he's in you know he's in david lynch's film and it's just there's so many odd things about that film it, it stars um uh one of the descendants of the getty family um so if you guys know who um, the mm-hmm. Getty family is uh, Ridley Scott just made a film called uh, All the Money in the World about that family and Balthazar Getty is a direct descendant um, wow. from one of the main characters of that movie there's just so much to that movie that wow. that 
and just combine it with Hollywood lore and and just what's going on in that movie, which is also about like movies kind of and fame. It's fucking just awesome. It is a weird meta movie. Yeah, yeah. it's super meta. It's fucking just. It, it, but it's noir. It's everything I like. It's perfect. It's a cool movie, yeah. for sure. Uh, Patricia Arquette is super good in it, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bill Pullman, obviously, who stars, is the star of it, but like, yeah. they're both super good in it. And yeah, then, one would argue Arquette just completely steals the show, yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm. but yeah, he has one of my favorite kind of creepy characters. Yeah. I think that's Blake, right? Who plays Blake, the, yep, the yeah. pale guy. Uh, Blake. Uh, Robert Blake. Robert Blake, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I still have to watch that. Dude, it's good. So good. It's good. It's been on my list, yeah. Uh, all right. My number six is Pulp Fiction. Nice. <laughs> so this is kind of a weird one to me because I think Django is actually my favorite Tarantino. But I think after we rewatched Pulp Fiction for the podcast, it really hit me in a new way that I just was not expecting. Yeah. Uh, it. I mean, you could really feel like it's just this weird combo combination of this fucking film dork guy who knew about all these random pieces and somehow got them to fit together in this weird genre mashup came out of nowhere, you know, like, and just it fucking, it literally, I mean, there's a pre and post Pulp Fiction era. There really is. Like it's, it's hard to understate how influential the movie was. And I think what really stuck out to me was this, this most recent time I watched it was really how brutal and it's kind of how scary and like horrific the movie is. Yeah. You know, that scene when they're fucking tied up and it's the gimp and it's just like that's it's real horror, man. That's like actual like scary stuff. And it's just it is really brutal. I think when I first watched it, I was just violence doesn't really get to me as much, um, as it might for some other people. So like it just watching certain films, I just it I don't know, it just doesn't click. But this time it does it did. It was like, wow, this movie really is gritty. Um, the, you know the death is gnarly and mm. uh, I think a lot of that is because the characters I mean this, mm. this movie is just yeah. a character movie from through and through um, everything that happens is so tied to the characters there's no this hand of God thing yeah it just right. it's characters stumbling around and fucking with each other his movies always have the best characters they do they like, really do they, I mean Hans Landa yeah. is probably one of the greatest characters in the top yeah. two characters mm-hmm. ever yeah created ever, ever yeah um and yeah i mean they're really they're, obviously they're stars but really the characters are like the stars yeah here. right um so it's that dialogue man that dialogue it is, totally, dialogue, it dude it really is. does the whole thing yeah i mean that i mean uh, can you imagine sitting at can and seeing that opening sequence well time. first of all the diner but then the sequence with fucking jules and vincent yeah and you're just like yeah. what the fuck is going on here they're yeah. talking about fucking burgers and shit yeah and then they go and shoot up a plate you know yeah. what i mean like yeah. It's just, it's but, so weird. But also just how it's all out of order. That had never really been done before. Yeah. And then it all makes sense in the end, and it just probably was just like, whoa, you could yeah. do that? Yeah. When people saw it yeah. at the end, and they were in the diner scene again, they must have just been like, dude, mine's yeah. be fucking being yeah. alone. Uh, it won so, the best film there, too. So, like, well, it had to. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, for me, it really, it represents, this film represents the importance of characters. If you're going to do a narrative film, your character's got to have a lot of depth to them, and even regardless of what your how your plot plays out, the characters are what's going to matter at the end of the day. So it's cool. Pulp mm-hmm. Fiction. Pulp Fiction. All right. Okay, my number six is Scott Pilgrim versus the World. 
Your list um, is very interesting. This is exactly how I was imagining it. <laughs> so, so Why is it interesting? Because I just don't get. I don't get you. Because you'll go from shit like I love Enter the Void and Hero, and then be like, yeah, my favorite movies are actually like Scott Pilgrim and no, but Enter the Void like, and Old Boy and oh yeah, that's going to come up there. I think maybe yeah, it's there's a good chance we're working. Up, we're working list, up to that. Your list is fascinating because I'm learning about your taste <laughs> and your taste. Uh, your list is so drastically different than ours, which is why I, I know it's amazing. As a trio, this works. So <laughs> Because Byron and I would be boring as fuck. I know. You guys would just be like, oh, I don't like movies. I like films. Yeah, exactly. That would be the whole podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because we're so... Because we're film breath. That should be a new podcast idea. The title is, I don't like movies, I like films. Yes. All right, sorry. Go ahead. Um, so Scott Pilgrim, um, and really this just comes down to some very superficial things. The action's really cool. You know, it's a comic book adaptation that isn't superheroes, which is also dope. And it does a really good job of that too. Um, this is a pacing thing. I think the pacing and the tone is really awesome for this movie. It's very high octane. It's very it attention. De- it's attention deficit. Yeah. Maybe more than high octane. <laughs> it's more attention deficit. Um, but I just, I really like the style, um, at the, time it came out i was a huge michael Sarah fan i loved all of his stuff i still do i think he i think he's awesome and hilarious but um really i i something that really spoke to me with this movie is in when i was in high school uh i i had um mild self-respect issues so this movie kind of plunges into that a little bit so it was kind of nice like having a movie that like represented that kind of element of of my high school experience what does that experience. mean so, mild self-respect issues like i'm just curious you oh, d- just like uh d- like uh not re- not respecting my myself and in, oh. in front of others oh, you know yeah, what i mean yeah. so if someone would say something bad to me i would just kind of let it happen oh, you know I what see, i mean I so like yeah. stuff like that yeah um plus this movie's like chock full of zelda references and it's a perfect <laughs> perfect movie for zelda fans and i'm a huge zelda fan um, really, in, in more ways than 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 uh, than one. Sweet. Yeah, it's definitely one of those yeah. movies that's like, damn, you know, it's an Edgar Wright movie. Like, <laughs> it really, it reeks of Edgar yeah, Wright for sure. It's just, yeah, it's to me, it's impressive because there's so many like every couple of seconds is like something different. Uh-huh the way they do this like you know they'll be like talking at a party and suddenly the lights will go out and it'll just be like them two like focused and like you know he's like got like i can't remember the exact scene but he's kind of like ogling her like they're you know what i mean like this yeah. weird like comic book moment and then the lights will come back on everything go right back to normal i really like, need to see this it's just this weird and then the fight scene at the end or the battle or whatever at the end it's yeah like, it's 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 weird man it's like it's a I've weird never movie. seen a director have so many ideas just bursting out of his head wow and it all like works like it's one of those things where i watch this movie and i can see like oh i could do that i could do that i could do that but he mixes them together in like this in almost in like a pulp fiction kind of way where it's Mm -hmm. like how do you mix these ingredients together to make this movie yeah and he's a great uh friend of tarantino's too i could see it i could see it i could see them like kind of really dissecting each other's movies and i've Edgar Wright has to be so super yeah. influenced by Tarantino. Wright, Rodriguez, 100%. and Tarantino all collaborated on Grindhouse, and Wright did the um, House trailer for them. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah, I mean Scott Pilgrim is probably like if Baby Driver took like hallucinogenics right. and then yeah, speed, you know what I mean? it's just like it's just yeah. boom boom boom. Yeah, 
It's great. It's a great movie. All right, Byron. We're getting into the top five here. We're doing pretty good. Okay, we so this is number number five? The, yeah. The rest are ties, okay, I Okay, so uh, <laughs> mine would be... Uh, no. Uh, mine would be uh, Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. Nice. Yeah. Um, nice. It's... You know, I love all of Tarantino's films. Pulp Fiction, I do have a special... It has a special sec, you know, part or whatever in my heart. You know, it it opened up all that for me. But Inglorious Bastards, I think, is where like I think it's going to be Tarantino's masterpiece, um, without the exception of like his last two films that haven't haven't come out yet. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I can't count sure. those. Um, sure. But right now, I think it's his masterpiece for me. It's just everything about it is is fucking perfect there's nothing on in it that's like loose or extreme you know it's 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 just it's just one of those movies that again i could just again revisit and revisit i know every fucking line by heart while it's playing in front of me Mm -hmm. but i still have to fucking finish it you know what i mean like it's just I, i can live in that movie it just completely takes me into that world of that movie and it's just full of references and it's just it's just a com- the complete package for me when it comes to everything I want from a Tarantino movie, let alone a fucking World War II espionage film. I mean, I grew up on those, mm-hmm. like Von Ryan's Express and Th- Where Eagles Dare and The Guns of the Navarone and all those films. That's what I grew up on, and this is done in a Tarantino way? Fuck yeah, you know? It's like Kelly's Heroes for 2009. You know, it's just like... It's it's just everything I, I look for in like a World War II thriller, so... Um, and, it, and, he, and he goes fucking meta with it, you know, <laughs> killing Hitler and, you know, yeah. just, it's just it's fucking cool. Um, and having David Bowie on a, on a soundtrack and it's a period movie and just just cool shit like that. And it pull, and it makes sense, you know. Totally. Um, it's funny that you said Guns of the Navarone. Yeah. Obviously, that's a reference in Pulp Fiction. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's just so many. There's just, That's why I, I like it, you know. Um, it's good. And yeah. uh, Hans Landa, like we said, Christoph Waltz's performance in that movie, you know, fucking incredible. A hundred years from now, they're going to be looking at that character yeah. and just... It's so... It you know, and then he... You know, and his performance is fucking fantastic. Got him the Oscar, got him the Best Actor Award at Cannes, you know? It's just crazy good. Um, but yeah, everybody in that movie's good. Definitely, yeah. I like the whole it's cast. It's a great movie. movie. Everyone I've ever met has liked that movie. I don't think I've met someone who doesn't like that movie. <laughs> you know? I think that's that's fair to say because I don't think I have yeah. either. It's a great movie. All right. He's finally making an appearance on my list at number five. Drive. Mm, nice. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's weird is I was like, what is he talking about? I was like, wait, who? And I couldn't think of. <laughs> I couldn't think of it. It was like happen. Coppola. It's gonna happen. Like you put Godfather on here. Like what the hell? So anyone who's been listening to the podcast knows Byron and I just drool over Reffin. <laughs> Reffin's my favorite. He's my favorite working director. He. I'm gonna go get a beer. I'll be. Right <laughs> uh, he just, in my eyes, he can't do no do any wrong. And I get that he's not for everyone. And. I don't give a shit um, because I like it Uh, more for me. Uh, So his style, it just, it just really makes sense to me um, when it comes to movie making. It's just kind of what I've been searching for. So I think drive, you know, only God forgives and neon demon, obviously, you know, pusher trilogy fear X is, I really like fear X, even though it's like people shit on it all the time. Valhalla rising. Like it's just, I don't know, for Drive just kind of took it all for me. I think it just, it was a nice balance between 
his excess sometimes, which I still like, but then having something there too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I just, it's just the high stakes thriller, dude. It's got crime, the thriller aspect, the violence, the style. It's just, it's all aspects. Those are all my kind of my favorite aspects of filmmaking. Um, and he just, he drives it home. And the so, little romance hmm. that are, are, is there heightens that. Yeah, it's not, intense, it's not you know, a romance that, that's like beating you over no, the head. Yeah. You know what I it's mean? It's very like, subtle. It's kind of cheesy. It's kind of cliche in that it's a man's whose motivation is a woman in distress but it's a genre film so but it is, it is. <laughs> I, I don't know for some reason it just doesn't it doesn't overshadow the no. other aspects for me so no, definitely not and what he did was he took the script which had way more dialogue way more everything and he just he pared it down and made it his own um and just used the care the the physicality of the characters to tell a story yeah um mm. and just that once he once that fucking that second half just cranks up and you're just fucking along yeah. for the ride it's awesome um you know like i think that that shotgun scene in the hotel room is like one of the coolest scenes i've seen in a movie yeah so for me this film represents the importance of style and voice and filmmaking and just knowing your style and just you know like i said earlier you just gotta fucking rock it yeah and own it mm-hmm. all right jacob dope um so my number five is Team America World Police. Nice. nice. So this is the South Park uh, guys, you know, Trey Parker, Matt Stone. And, Has every uh, film you've said so far been a comedy? No. Uh, I mean, unless, I don't, I wouldn't call Punch Drunk Love, Scott Pilgrim, Pirates of the Caribbean, or Iron Giant comedies. They're, <laughs> I would call Forgetting Sarah Marshall They're comedy. all kind of comedies comedy in dramas. a sense, you know. Like, 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 they, it's an aspect uh, of Iron them. Giant might be more drama, sure. but yeah. the other ones I'd say are pretty Maybe Scott comedic. Pilgrim is comedy. I wouldn't call Punch Drunk Love comedy. It's, I guess you could look at it that way if you want. It's described as a comedy drama. Yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean is kind of just like an adventure movie. I wouldn't, I mean, it has comedic elements, yeah, but I don't think comedic. it's primarily a comedy. Oh, okay. no, yeah. You know? But in some form, comedy probably is like the second. Yeah. Like, I mean, all these films make so much sense to me with Jacob. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I think all of them have comedic elements, but okay. I wouldn't label them as a comedy. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but maybe in your guys' eyes, they'd be comedies. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Team America, I, I just think it's really great. I love the freaking puppets and the, the just, just the marionettes and the whole... Um, just the whole spoof of it. You know, what they're... I'm totally blanking on the word right now, but, like, how they're making... Poking fun at really all... Everyone... You, you know, and it's incredibly racist in a lot of people's eyes, but not in mine. Uh, I just, I just think it's really funny. I don't know. It's just like the whole movie is funny. Like when they blow up the pyramids, like that's funny. And the whole idea of it, like world policing um, as a concept is something that Americans do. And they've just kind of took that idea and ran with it. Oh, that's um, what bothers people. Not like the pissing and shitting sex scene or like you know yeah i mean honestly like i really want that sex scene like i want to see that actual thing because like in the deleted scenes you could see like some of the weird shit that they did you know (laughs) with with the sex scene but apparently it was is far worse than it actually was like it really they get into some weird shit it was one of those things that they did to get around the ratings board yeah Yeah, that's awesome but apparently like they made him cut a lot more than than they were yeah, thinking they would I for imagine. that um but uh yeah i mean i just i love that like the matt damon joke in there i love that kim jong-il is like a cockroach at the end and he like 
goes to Mars. Spoilers. <laughs> but like, the dick, I don't know, it's just the, the weirdest. <laughs> the dick monologue. Yeah, yeah. The dick, dick butthole, and pussies. And, yeah. yeah. Um, and just the fact that the Screen Actors Guild they, is the Film Actors Guild, and they identify as fags. <laughs> like, the whole, like, it's just, you know, F-A-G, Film Actors oh, Guild. It's just genius. like... Everything in that movie is just, it's so crass, um, but it just is so amazing. I wonder how many people don't realize that the creators of South Park did that movie. Yeah, there's probably right. some. For sure. I mean, same guys who did Book of Mormon, and you can see the connections between all these movies. Oh, totally. You know, yeah. even with Basketball, which I fucking love Basketball. <laughs> That's, uh, like, you can see, like, that it's totally them in the doing it, you know, and they're in the movies. So. so I hope, I hope. Uh, my partner Caitlin listens to this because this is the movie that I that we watched the first movie we watched on like our first like kind of like hangout or whatever it was kind of the test test film if she wasn't gonna Uh-oh. laugh at this then it wasn't yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. it, it wasn't gonna work because I thought the movie was fucking hilarious so the movie is amazing yeah. it's a good test yeah those yeah. are good testers so thanks for thanks for getting through that one Caitlin. <laughs> more tests to come <laughs> yeah. dude she's watched like almost every movie we've done for the podcast that's awesome them, so. dude Shit. that's dope yeah. <clears throat> she doesn't like always like them all but she watches it that's sick that's good it's cool um all right we're getting down to it Shit, we're number getting four. down okay so number four again super fucking tough uh <laughs> <laughs> this is a tie <laughs> I feel like every time you get to a number, you die a little inside. Oh, like, I do. Did I, I pick do. the right movie? I do. It's, ah. Okay. 1999, Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut, and 2013's The Great Beauty by Paolo Sorrentino. These movies are fucking incredible. Um, Kubrick, I have to have Kubrick on the list, and have to, Eyes yeah. Wide Shut is, um, is, my, is my favorite of his. I love all of his movies. They're all very influential, but Eyes Wide Shut, again, it's one of those ones I just pick up something new every time I watch it. I can take and watch that movie as a literal, like things that are happening literally, mm-hmm. or certain scenes can actually be taken um, as dreams or as, you know, just, mm. it's just incredible how that movie is made and how it, it how open it is. And then The Great Beauty is one of the, most beautiful films i've ever seen it's 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 all shot in italy um it's a little nostalgic for me because it was shot in italy the same year i was in italy so it's how i will probably always remember italy if, you know um or that trip mm-hmm. um and it's it's just beautiful it's just an awesome um awesome movie i, I it has some of the best music with image combos i've ever seen in the movies and hmm. it's just one of those movies it purely goes by feeling nice. it's there there's there's no real plot to it you're basically following this elderly aging um writer and that's it and you see just a glimpse into his life and um how other people are affected by him and his loves and it's just an amazing italian film and it's probably the closest thing that to like a romantic film that i really really like and there's like no romance in it really but it's just Hmm. it's just a romantic film in the sense of like it just gives you that feeling of just like it's an experience of like it's like a romantic film with a with like land 
I, I don't know how to describe that. You know how you a so, love of the country. Yeah, you know how you can hmm. feel in like 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 how the you connection connect to the environment to envi- sure. environment. You know, and it's like nostalgia. And then Eyes Wide Shut is just kind of nostalgic for me too. I just remember the first time I watched it, like super late at night, and it's one of those like just being like completely one of those cinema experiences that you have just like wow mm-hmm. you know what i mean like this really got to me you know like in a sense of like i want to make something like that you know so nice. yeah sweet all right <laughs> yeah i want to see that one i was just yeah. kind of looking at the trailer when you were talking oh, it's it's, it looks beautiful sick. you haven't seen eyes wide shut no 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 uh, or the, other sorry, one. the great beauty yeah we watched eyes wide shut oh, the for, great the, beauty. for the podcast remember oh because we were doing kubrick we were doing... Did we do all of Kubrick's? No. No. We did Eyes Wide Shut for the fucking podcast. We did, yeah. I think we did two episodes of Kubrick. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, that's we right. We did... Um, was that Eyes Wide Shut in 2001? No. And... What, f- what did we watch? F did we do? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> 70 episodes. Um, to remember. We did Eyes Wide Shut. It was on there. Um, I remember. And we had to have done 2001. Unless you wanted to say no, no. I think we I did think, 2001. I think we saved it. And no, we definitely did not do 2001 for the podcast. Or maybe... No, we didn't. We did... Did we do The Shining? Oh, we did The Shining. We did The Shining for Steadicam. Hold it, on. I'm sorry. I'm trying to pull it up right now. Did we actually uh, do Kubrick? Fuck. I don't know if we have a Kubrick film. Or a Kubrick one yet. One of the listeners just like screaming. <laughs> yeah. like, you never we did, did Cooper. I know we we've touched on. I know we've touched on Eyes Wide Shut before. Um, I think we've talked about it. I just don't know. Yeah, we did definitely we did talk about it. What the I, hell? Did we dude? talk about it with like perfume or some shit? Maybe. Was it like one where it's like my pick or something? Where it was like I picked Eyes Wide Shut and Nocturnal Animals or some shit like that. Was that no? Because that was nocturnal animals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like not seeing it on here. Maybe it was one that I was thinking about doing with that. Because I watched it for some reason. It was like I'm pretty sure I watched it for the for the podcast itself. I wonder if it was one that we scrapped. I think maybe Maybe, we scrapped it because I read your review on it on Letterboxd. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah. Because we did marathon. We might have scrapped it. Well, let's uh, let's get back to the list, yeah. shall Weird. we? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened with that. Anyway, yeah. So this okay. is uh, Keith's number four. Yeah. So number four. Uh, this is my Lynch pick. So Drive again. It does have Drive in the title? Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Drive. Yeah. So it's really rare for a movie when I first watch it to just really just like hit me like really oh like yeah a fucking truck dude and Mulholland Drive really did hit me really hard uh it was the first part is weird I don't necessarily dig the first half of the movie hmm. but that helps contrast the second half of the movie yeah um and it, to me this movie like I mean Eraserhead for sure is you know up there as one of his weirdest but this one just really I don't know, dude. The dude is just a fucking weirdo. He's super weird, uh, but he's so essential to the to film. Yeah, like he just—I mean, it, really to me, there's just there's the pre and post Lynch age. I mean, you just you can't not look at his films and and say something that's like you know, oh, he's he's schlock or something because yeah. he's not. No, he's not. Um, it's even if you just took a racer head only 
it, it it's totally changed. He's got things. dream mm. language down. He does. He does. <laughs> he, and you know, a lot of people shit on dreams and films, um, but his is just his is just dreams. It's just yeah. just just dreams. I don't know. Like it's just especially part. dream endings. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah. God. <laughs> oh, fuck uh, ghost stories. <laughs> uh, he, so it's just he he tells stories in, unlike any other filmmaker yeah. in a way that is entirely his own yeah and it's the same reason why um i was drawn to like tree of life and whatnot it's just because it's just it's just he lets them play out he lets yeah. the films play he lets the images work he just doesn't give you what you want and you have to just do it yourself mm. um you know he just doesn't care it's yeah. just and Mulholland drive is a good example of that because literally halfway through it it's just Go some. It just becomes a different film. Yeah. And, and part of that is because of the production history of it, which, for those who don't know, is that it was supposed to be a series. First half of the film, or the film was supposed to be, like the first episode of the series. They they canceled the production, and in order to kind of he built it into a movie, and how he did that was basically just disregarded the second half or the first half when he made the second half. Um, she pretty much becomes a different person. All the people become different people. The whole story just mm-hmm. becomes super weird. It's yeah. just none of it makes any sense, but it's super awesome to watch. Um, and it just it just opened up that idea again in filmmaking for me. That was just like, you do it, man. Do whatever you want. Like, if you don't mm-hmm. like for first half of your movie, fucking change it. Yeah, uh, just do you. You know, just do you. Just fuck all the rules, man. And it's um, considered to be the best film of the decade of two thousand to two thousand ten, I believe. Wow. Yeah. I wonder what list that's on because I'd be curious. Yeah. I mean, it is. It ranks up there highly for me. It really. It's just an important movie in that regard. So uh, for me, I think I think it was on KevinPicks.com. I think that was. <laughs> it's my alter ego. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have Byron. So I keep, Byron's my. I keep looking at the statistics. There's like one person that like looks at it every once in a while. <laughs> oh me. Oh, on your letterbox. <laughs> Wait, what the fuck? On <laughs> <laughs> Kevin's picture.com. Uh, uh, the only guy yeah. is someone named uh, okay. Brian. Yeah. Yeah, no, that would yeah. be it. That's me. That's I'm, I'm the... I've always wanted to troll it, but I can't. <laughs> uh, Mulholland Drive is also scary, too. It is kind of just this weirdly creepy movie. I, I had my youngest brother watch that movie with me, and he's not... He's He likes movies, but he's not like a big film film guy. And... He got legitimately scared as a like twenty one year old guy <laughs> with that little part where the part to- kind of towards the beginning where the guy is in the cafeteria, yeah, and he's talking about his dream. The hobo. Yeah. Oh yeah, the, the homeless lady comes out and then it does. the shit out yeah. of him. Yeah, and then the, the, yeah. the little people, the little people, like, it just dude. freaks him out. It's the funniest oh, fucking God. thing. I was laughing so fucking hard. I was like, movie's so good. Yeah, dude, it's so good. That second half is just so. Good. And he just doesn't. He, he he won't watch it again just because he's like that, that movie kind of freaks me out man it's scary you know? it's like yeah. what you it's what this you expect to happen in a dream because dreams don't make sense <laughs> yeah and shit just pops up yeah. you know but there's mm-hmm. some logic he has he see there's some logic there in this dude's yeah. mind that he translates the film that i just don't understand yeah um so for me this film represents you know what can happen when a filmmaker deconstructs typical modes of filmmaking and just lets the audience yeah. run wild with it man yeah it's fucking it's all you saw. Mm. You know, a lot of people argue that it's all about the audience. Well, Lynch, Lynch is that guy. Yeah. He's giving it to the audience. So, just giving it to him. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Jacob, number four. 
Number four Frozen. for me <laughs> is Frozen. Yeah. No, I'm just oh, kidding. shit. <laughs> That'd be funny as shit. <laughs> oh, fuck. It's Mahal and Frozen. Frozen on our screen right now. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, it is Enter the Void. Oh. Byron okay. nailing it. Um, I haven't seen any other Gaspar now, so that would probably change if I saw... Or we're going to do Gaspar now on the podcast. I'm really excited for that. Yeah. It's climax. But, um... But yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to watch. It's a really hard movie to watch. You know, you see dead fetuses in this movie. You see um, a penis you know, jizzing on the camera. You see, yeah, you see <laughs> like people having sex, and it, yeah, it's like macro. So you're like inside the vagina as it's like penetrating the yep. camera, essentially. Um, but then you also like do all this weird DMT tripping stuff, and the the director actually like went down. And did DMT went down to Africa where where it's legal in some country in Africa. I don't really, I don't really know anything about that, but uh, he did it and like uh, he like then made this movie because he wanted it to be like this thing that was very similar to that experience. And there's all this stuff wrapped up with uh, wrapped up in like life after death, um, reincarnation. There's like this whole reincarnation stuff. There's it, it dives into the idea that small amounts of DMT get released in your body when you die. Uh, and the g- coolest thing about this entire movie is that it's all told from one person's eyes. Uh, so you see every single blink in the movie. Uh, and this guy, this character, he dies like 20 minutes in the movie. And then you go on this crazy DMT death trip that is very dreamy in the same way that Mulholland Drive is, but it's way harder. It's like way more like hard to it's like as nightmarish as you can get um but i just i like how it all kind of blends together into this one package and it's just it's just a movie that you sit down turn off all the lights and just experience i wouldn't recommend doing drugs and seeing this movie you might (laughs) probably do something weird first time i I ever saw this movie was with my cousin and I was I had no preparation for it. I had no idea what this movie was about wow. or what it was gonna yeah. be like. We had smoked like weed before. No, <laughs> no, was, no, boy, no. It, the movie actually scared me. Like there, you know, like because there's some jump scares That's in awesome. it. Like when the when the fucking he's in. They do this uh, perspective from the backseat of the car. Yeah, and they show like his parents yeah. dying or whatever. It just comes out of nowhere. It's just like the movie was extremely scary. Well, not extremely scary, but it's very unsettling. And there were parts that were scary. And it's really long, and it just has mm-hmm. no, like, there's no rhyme or reason to what happens. It just kind of float. You float around almost yeah, literally. Yeah, he, he like literally yeah. like his POV floats, and like yeah. he goes inside his sister's head. Yeah. So you're seeing through her, even though it's him. Yeah. Right? But you're seeing through her, and she's a stripper, and there's all these like, like old Asian guys getting yeah. her tips and shit. It's interesting, crazy. It's a very t- yeah. it was a very hard Weird. movie to watch the first time around, and it yeah. the second time yeah. around. I mean, the movie is is phenomenal. Putting it that high on your list is totally. I can totally understand that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's there's really no other movie like it. I can't think the of a single. The closest would be two thousand one. In, in, in the end of two thousand one, like, maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the end. Yeah, because yeah. it does do that weird like, hey, you're gonna do twenty minutes of just like shapes. Yeah, you know, that's enter the void. Yeah, you know, uh, and or you're gonna spend twenty minutes as a soul flying over a city. Looking for another body to go into, and then you're in, you know what I mean. You're in the love hotel, and then you're in the love hotel, but baby. See, so even to so the international version, 143 minutes. 
it's a long, it's a long movie. It's tough. It's a really tough. And that's the, and that's the one to watch, but it's, it's very hard to watch. Uh, so you really have to be in the mood for it, but it's definitely something I will never forget. Like, you know, it's definitely, you know, unless I get Alzheimer's or something, but like, (laughs) you know, and even then you'll watch it. <laughs> Even then, I'll watch it again. I'll just put it on repeat, and I'll just hate myself for the rest of my life. <laughs> it also has one of my favorite intros. That song uh, that yeah. pops up, and yeah. it's just flashing, fucking like it shows all the, the names and the credits, and it's just all this different fonts, and it's flashing, and it's just like because it takes place in Tokyo, yeah, too, yeah, where it's like it's bright, and there's lights, and that's yeah. why when he takes DMT, he sees all this weird shit because it's just like. You know, Tokyo's this dense, vibrant, loud, bright city, right? Is it? Is it Tokyo? Yeah, yeah, it's Tokyo. Oh, it is Tokyo. Yeah. I just I thought it was like Korea or not no, Korea. I thought it's it was. Tokyo. I think it is Tokyo. I'm reading it, it right Tokyo. now. It says Tokyo. Oh, okay, perfect. Okay. I just rewatched uh, Gaspar Noe's uh, Love yesterday. Um, I see that one. Um, I had seen it a long time ago when it was first released, and it's better the second viewing. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm, I'm just, I'm waiting for Climax to come out, so I want to watch uh, Into yeah. the Void again here pretty soon, and then Irreversible. Dude, Climax. Lot, but I'll probably visit. Wanna, Climax yeah. looks insane, in fact, dude. The only it's like a dance film. Climax yeah, looks freaking sick. cool. In fact, the only awesome. film I've seen of his is Enter the Void, unfortunately. Oh but shit. But I might try and change that, like in the next week or so. Yeah. I really want to see well, I Stand Alone for the pod, dude. I stand good for the too. pod, we got to do it. Why? Well, yeah, I don't know when Climax is coming out. It's got to be coming soon because it's this year. They just released this year. The, the main trailer, so it should I mean, come we could, out. We could almost talk like about all of his films November. across two episodes because yeah. he's only got. It comes five. out like, dude, it comes out in like a few months. We should totally yeah. just do it. Yeah, we should. Sweet. I really want to see. I stand alone. That one's supposed to be pretty gnarly. Um, and then obviously, Irreversible has the most one of the most infamous scenes in film. And there's and there's there's a, a crossover with I Stand Alone and Irreversible that a lot of people maybe don't really know. Ooh, fun. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Well, I maybe we should pair those two together one, but, um, cool I, I like it that's a good choice I think um, I, I don't think about that movie a lot but every time I do think about that movie it it just it fucking hits you man yeah. it really gets yeah. you and sticks with it's, you it's one of those balls to the walls movie like he's yeah. just gonna fucking do it you know what I mean <laughs> yeah that's Gaspar Noe for you for sure like that's all yeah. he that's, he that's gets it. a lot yep. of flack for that where it's like he, he just makes films about his dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, so do so does like every single studio comedy male director. Yeah, right. all, it's always about the penis. All filmmaking boils down to the dude's dick at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> all right. The top three. So okay. this took way longer than I thought to get to the top three. So maybe don't spend too much time. I, yeah, I don't yeah. really have. Digging into you get 30 it. seconds yeah. each. Yeah. So, um. My number three is 1979's uh, Andre Tarkovsky's uh, Stalker. And we've talked about it on the Dope. podcast, so I don't really have that much to say. But the fact that it's a fucking, again, it just takes me inside that movie. Mm-hmm. It's one I can watch over and over and over and over and over again and just try and dissect it. And it's just a movie I can live in and it's just mood and it's just amazing. Long takes, long shots, whatever, you know, just it it's fucking like transcendental you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. so yeah when you say that it makes me really want to rewatch the sacrifice yeah <laughs> our Tarkovsky series was yeah. it was hard but man it, it was, was really it was rewarding good. as fuck i yeah, love it it was all right uh so mine is one we've talked about on the podcast but way long ago way long ago is it a war you movie guys got it do you guys know which one number three yeah. Oh, fuck. Is it a war, is it a war movie? This. I should know this. No, I wouldn't call it a war movie. Give us a hint. I can't. 2001. No. Uh, 
Fuck. Even, we haven't talked about 2001 on the podcast. I know. Oh. I, I know. Oh, you gonna, know what it is. It's going to bother me that because you're going to say it. And it's going to be like, fuck. O'Tour is your only hint. That's a huge hint. God Are you guys it. kidding me? Yo, Jimbo. Yo, shit. Oh, Yo, fuck. Jimbo. I should have known this. Fuck. No shit, Bo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is, to me, this is one of the most important movies ever made. Um, it's really just like approaching perfection. Fuck. Um, the framing, the action, the characters, the story, the direction, the art, the genre mashup, the cinematography, the editing. Yeah. I mean, pick something. Pick whatever you want out of the movie, and it's fucking masterful, man. Acting. Masterful. Uh, I mean, like, really, like, to Grip. me, like, if I were lighting. to teach, like, uh, if I were to... What? Writing? Lighting. Oh, lighting? Yeah, lighting. Every, yeah dude. Lighting is awesome. PA. Are you kidding me? <laughs> dude, the PA's, the PAs knew were what was fucking, up. Yeah, they yeah. were great. Cater, catering. Dude, that mud and shit? Yeah, How, dude. Yeah. Like, really, if you were to pair this movie with all of Kubrick's filmography, that's your masterclass right there. Like, everything you need to know about how to make a movie is, is between those 12 films Kubrick did and this one. Um, if the film's influence runs deep, I mean, not only in like in, in cinema overall, but like in my own just development of my style. Um, and you can really feel like the synchronicity between like the filmmakers. Like I feel like when you make films, not everyone is always on the same page. Some people are there for the paycheck. Some people are there for the art. Mm-hmm. When it gets to bigger productions, you know, you're you're just because of the top down style of business. Not everyone gets everything, um, but this is one of those films where I really feel like everyone was in sync. Yeah, yeah. Right down to the PA and to the caterer. I mean, really, it just felt like everyone was there um, on the same page. Uh, and I think that really culminates really like with the uh, the. Um, actor director cinematographer relationship Fuck yeah yeah because those are mm-hmm. really kind of the key to filmmaking um and then editor is in there as well but i think you know to, to make the film happen you gotta have the actor director cinematographer um and i think one of the most important things that i always take away from this movie is like his unflinching compromise kurosawa's unflinching compromise of shooting action and wide takes and really just like fuck your shaky cam fuck your fast cuts <laughs> like i mean that should like it's just he he wasn't afraid to yeah. do that you know what i mean there's a lot of uh there's a lot it takes a lot of extra practice knowledge and and courage to like make a film where you don't rely on the techniques that hide things yeah. such as the shaking cam and fast cutting so you know that to me is it's really important to really focus on doing that. So for me, this film represents the influence of the synchronicity. Um, like if you have synchronicity with your team, it's going to make better film overall. You know, no every hundred percent. Yeah, every person is important. There, you know, every person who helps on a film is important, regardless of where they're at in the chain. Um, and it really just represents like good framing dude like really, <laughs> when, you, when you watch this movie every frame you know like that sh- they had that youtube yeah. every frame of painting i mean this really is every frame is a painting it's funny how you you say that because like you know film is truth you know famously jean-luc godard said that and um uh but, but also it's deceitful in the sense totally of deceitful. like yeah. you are only yeah. showing what you want to show and also with like you said with like the takes like there's so many ways you can hide things, but then there, you're always trying to attempt to hide it in the least 
mm-hmm. deceitful way as you can. Sure. In some, you know, at least some filmmakers yeah. do that, and some filmmakers don't. But it's kind of a F for fake. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. Like the Bourne series, which is so guilty of shaky cam and fast cutting, is a huge guilty pleasure of mine. Yeah, yeah. So like, I, I right, watch but that they stuff, they but also started the shaky. They kind of did. You know what I mean? So it's yeah, like it's hard to like it's hard to take a big old dump on them when they i mean for, for me, sure yeah for sure yeah but, for me it's hard to, but like yeah. this really is like you know if you want to make a film that transcends it transcends to become something great then you have to be so uncompromising and so ambitious you know yeah right have to be. so yojimbo man yojimbo is <laughs> it all right let's hear your number three numero trace is anomalisa Oh, really? fuck, I need to see. I started this and I, wow. I need to see this. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. This is fascinating. Waiting for the reaction. This is um, it looks really so good. So, Anomalies is my favorite Kaufman <laughs> movie that, he, that he's done. Um, I love the 3D printing fucking claymation bullshit that he did. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it looks sweet. Um, but also, one of my favorite. I just I love the boldness. I love the the just the balls that he has to to do something that I have been told to never ever ever do, um, which is recreating, try, trying to recreate photorealistic people with with puppets, um, and that's what he went for in this movie. And he even did even crazier art choices like uh, casting the same character as every single person in the movie except for two. So, like, there's one voice actor who plays every single character. And not only that, the same face is on every single person in the movie except for two people. Wow. Uh, And you guys haven't seen it, so I don't want to spoil it. But the movie is about loneliness. And the main character can't connect with anyone because he sees everybody as the same. So, everyone else is sheep. So, the fact that they're all played by this one person with this same face shows like his you know like how lonely he is and then he suddenly meets someone who isn't like that who has a different face and a different voice and he just wants to talk with her and hang out with her um and i really want to spoil the ending but i will not because you guys have to watch it but um (laughs) it's just it's it's so much about dis like that disconnect between uh, a per an individual and their greater society and 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 that is such like a powerful thing that I, I think most people experience that. Um, I, exp- I I experience it, but I think most people experience that like moment of like, what the fuck is the world? You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, why well, can't like wh- like how you're just that detachment? Um, and it just perfectly, perfectly just sums up my feelings about that idea. Um, nice. So, Anomalisa. Sweet, Bam. that's awesome. Great. Charlie Kaufman's yeah. really interesting to me because I, I was reading something about. Some, some interview he was doing and he's he's kind of a depressed guy because he's made these or he's written these films and these filmmakers have taken it and made something great i mean you know you look at being john malkovich adaptation eternal sunshine um and then his directorial stuff with synecdoche new york and anomalisa he, he's he's depressed because he just feels like he's never been able to take he like take off like people find his stuff so endearing and so amazing but yeah. but there's something about his work that just doesn't <laughs> hit you know doesn't he's he's one of those like absurd artists that like 
is in the public's eye. Yeah. Like he's like I feel like he's just one of these weird unconventional artist dudes who's like hey, people like actually want to go see his shit. And I could understand him not wanting to like make something that was like like a studio movie that could really like put his shit together. You mm-hmm. you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Cuz like that's just not what he's into. I I is but he said he was depressed in the article. I just I I it's guess I believe he was that. Like, literally depressed is that he felt like he just is kind of miffed. Like he just hasn't been able to hit in a way that he kind of thought he right. might hit. Yeah. You know what I mean? With how how cult and how successful some of his films have been, he just he, he himself has never felt like he got to the point that he wanted to get to. I guess. Right. Um, I yeah, that's so weird. And my my gut with Charlie Kaufman says that he's playing a character when he does interviews yeah, possibly, you know yeah, like i sure, feel like yeah. i really get a sense he's that he's sick, like super meta kind of yeah <laughs> like that there's some weird level going on and maybe even that he's not even fully a conscious of you know what i mean yeah. i don't know yeah. it's what i get whatever so I see randomly that, so. enough i'm looking at his filmography his next film or the one that he wrote that's coming out in 2019 uh, called Chaos Walking is directed by Doug Lyman, who did the first Born <laughs> Born movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that seems like a weird fucking choice. Yeah, it's it's a weird sounding movie, but it kind of it seems awesome. But it seems like Kaufman is diving into the cat. Who's in? Who's the cast in that movie? Uh, the cast is super uh, odd too. It's just like that's going to be a Charlie Kaufman Tom Holland, movie. Daisy Ridley, and Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> oh, I'm fucking in, Myron's man. In, yeah. Tom <laughs> yeah. Holland, Mads Mikkelsen—that's a weird pairing. And it Daisy is. Ridley. Yeah. That's kind of a weird trio. Yeah, it's fucking bizarre. It's the weirdest thing, and it's—it feels so Charlie Kaufman Produced to like do some Zemeckis. weird shit like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what, what? See, Kaufman's a weird guy, but at the same time, I don't think he's. Get, not getting his credit because three of his yeah, scripts appear fine. in the Writers Guild of America's list of 101 greatest screenplays. Yeah. He's Anomalisa was like nominated for best picture yeah, or yeah, some yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah so yeah. yeah, so it's like, come on, dude, yeah. <laughs> you're you're fine. I think though, I think what 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 I can kind of understand whether or not he's playing a character or not. If, assuming taking at face value is that he 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 is not a name that's like. Yeah, I saw that Charlie Kaufman film. It's like he's always been kind of behind. Only in film circles. Exactly. Yeah. But he's always yeah. been He's behind. been behind Spike Jones. Like Spike Jones wouldn't be half of what he is without Kaufman's writing, right? Exactly. Same with like yeah. Michelle like, Gondry and Yeah, exactly. Those guys. So yeah. like just What I yeah, what I loved about Spike Jones like as when I first saw Spike Jones's couple movies was like I actually loved Charlie Kaufman. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like and watching Charlie Kaufman's like later films it's like, "Oh, I like this guy." Like I still love Spike Jones. Uh but it's like, "Oh, my the act- my true love is is with Charlie." Exactly. Kaufman. Yeah. Outside of outside of Tiffany, obviously. It's funny that we talk about Michelle Gondry cuz I saw um Sorry to Bother You and there's a funny meta joke in there where towards the end when they're kind of unraveling and there's kind of the exposition the guy is like you're gonna sit down and watch this movie this i had this movie made specifically for this so that you can watch it (laughs) and when they when the movie pops up it says 
uh, directed by Michelle Dongri. <laughs> and it's like this like cheesy ass claymation of like uh, <laughs> cave, like this cave woman like narrating yeah. the story. And she's all like claymation, and then her like tits are she's just got, bouncing around. Yeah, she's, she's got talking. nipple hairs and everything. Yeah, dude. Have you seen that movie, uh, Jacob? No. Oh, you, no. oh god! You'll like you're, it a lot. you're gonna love You'll that like movie, dude. I'm gonna check it out. Cool. Cool. All right. Uh, number three. So we had Stalker, uh, Stalker, Yojimbo, and Anomalisa. Sweet right. Anomalisa. Sweet. So number uh, two. Number two. The big ones. Yeah. Okay. So uh, mine is two. 2000- Do we have any guesses? Do we have any? Oh, yeah. oh okay. Go go for it. Go. Well, you just. I heard you say yours. So <laughs> what did I say? Well, he says the year first. He says he was going to say the year. Two thousand nines. Oh. Oh. Guesses. Okay. Oh. Oh. Only God forgives. No. 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 Antique, no. <laughs> I don't know years that well, damn it. No, no. Uh, Nymphomaniac? is 2013. I'm going to go with Antichrist. Okay. I think that was 2009. And I'm not looking at it. Yeah, up. I think it was because I think Melancholia was 2011. So you yeah, it is Antichrist. What's your favorite film, though? No, I'm going to say because I think yours is Antichrist Neon Demon. I think. Oh, Neon Demon. So. Oh wait, no, didn't that come out in like 2013? Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think his order is number two is Antichrist, number one Neon Demon. Yeah, Keith is right. Oh. It's, uh, Lars von Trier is Antichrist. Nice. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. So it's just it's just this movie that I just again, it's just incredible. It's kind of Tarkovsky-ish, but it's Lars von Trier and his like awesome, dark, violent, um, but yet very metaphorical element, um, and he thrives in that uh he made it to get out of a depression and he's just like he again just goes full out with it and mm-hmm. it's just he's not afraid you know a lot of people call him that he's kind of like you know just does it to upset people and stuff but you know what fuck it if that if he is it's brilliant <laughs> you know what i mean for me mm-hmm. at least it it, it you know Couldn't um, agree more. and roger ebert said uh that uh lars ventura had finally like touched him with this movie and um Good. it's just really fucking cool and it's just the performances are great charlotte gansborg and, and willem dafoe are just incredible in this movie and mm. they have um, an amazing amount of chemistry like yeah, two people you would look chemistry. at and be like there's no way you could work together yeah but it's just it's it's them in the entire movie every there's really nobody else in the movie everybody else has uh uh their faces are you know blurred out and um it's 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 just it's just incredible. It's an incredible piece of filmmaking. It's controversial, but I recommend everybody go see it. Um, you know, it's, it just has, it's just, I don't know. I just wish I could make something like that too, you know? Um, it's its own beast in many ways. Fucking awesome movie. It's <laughs> yeah. a super fucking awesome movie. <laughs> it's definitely one where I watched it and I was like, again, that's one of those ones that just really like it, it hit me. Yeah, and it's beautiful though too. It, it is. has some of the most breathtaking, beautiful images as well as the, some of the most violent. You know, totally. and just to have that yeah. combo is just awesome. It really it's, does. I mean, I've seen it on lists of some of the most like hardcore like violence and film, and it really, yeah. it really does have yeah. really hardcore violence. But the lead, I think the pay, uh, the violence is earned yeah it's totally earned it's totally earned and 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 people are offended by it because i think it really fucking shook him up yeah and that's why i think it's so incredible just like what he was able to do with that and it's just it's just awesome so yeah check it out antichrist great film great film i've seen that one a couple of times for sure all right yeah so i still gotta watch that oh shit dude i think 
I've been surprised by your sensibilities, and I actually think you would like it. Like yeah. genuinely, yeah. actually like it. Same. Oh yeah. Um, just make sure you're I kind mean, of I, in I the liked, mood. I guess I liked Melancholia, but I know that I know that I've done I've done a bunch of research because you know Melancholia is doing that for the pod, but um, I know that there's some way more <laughs> janky ass shit in this movie. You know, so uh, I'm hopefully you don't to know it. too much because it sucks if it was given away. <laughs> I I don't know if I do. I think even if you I'll were to say what happens, which I won't hear, yeah. it when you see it, it's more surprising than even if you know that you're gonna. It's yeah, you know yeah. I mean, yeah. Like it's it's something 100%. that you just don't ever expect to see in film <laughs> ever. So. But but it, it is. Yeah, okay. It I, is I think I know it what it is, and it has that like ethereal dream. Yeah, dreamness down. It, so. Yeah. All right. Love that stuff. My numero dos. Okay, so 2001 is on here. I think it's got to be And so is Apocalypse Now. So it is 2001. I think it's 2001. Yes, 2001. <laughs> uh, dude, <laughs> November or September 7th cannot come soon. <laughs> 70 millimeter 2001 uh, exploded my pants. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I seriously, truly believe that Kubrick was put on this planet to make one movie, and it is this movie. Uh, I think... The Shining obviously is on my list, and I think highly of his other works. But I honestly think that he peaked with this movie. This wow! Was, this was wow. It. this was the one. Um, I think understanding first that he like working with one of the greatest sci-fi novelists of all time, um, and then understanding that you could tell a story and not dumb it down, like using the hard science. I really enjoy hard science in in uh, literature. And filmmaking, it's awesome. Just, just knowing that you, that he was going to do that, I think, was really what started him on his path to greatness. And I think that was kind of the first choice. I think his second good, his second wisest choice was the sets, um, using large scale sets that were built to move in order to show the actual physics of like space. Yeah. I think it just it adds. I mean, Inception would never have been Inception without two thousand one. No. no ever mm-hmm. yeah um it Cut started it with this yeah they literally just, took like ideas from 2001 he did to absolutely i mean it, execute i think the hallway scene is like straight out of 2001 it's straight out of yeah. it and that's everyone's favorite part exactly of exactly and then obviously interstellar he's himself has tried to compare 2001 so what i'm saying is like 2001 mm-hmm. has influenced some of nolan's more important works right like it just that the, that alone, just being able to see this guy fucking spin, yeah. and then he coming down a ladder in a way that doesn't make any logical yeah. sense, and the woman who's just walking onto the ceiling, it just it, it adds this whole level that you just really have never seen before. Um, and I think really his his drive for practicality and sets is is really like his gift. Yeah, I think to filmmakers. Um, and I think like that really helps the film age too. So his. And I think his third kind of wisest choice, I think, was the the arc of the story. So starting it in a place of, you know, uh, thousands of years before when kind of mankind was, quote, developing. And then kind of adding, sprinkling in the the sci-fi of, like, the fucking monolith, you know, which forwarded Mm -hmm. humanity's progress you know the the evolution and but that scene you know when they finally pick up the tool realize that there's something there they can use you know and then obviously the 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 cut to the ship you know and then the whole sequence when they're kind of talking about like the politics and just 
then the mon they encounter the monolith again. Obviously, <laughs> the important part with Hal, uh, and then the ending. You know, um, and I think Hal really was the fourth choice that really set this film apart for anything because Hal is a <laughs> character that just like transcended. It transcends like the film itself. It yeah. transcends like it became something like when you say Hal nine thousand or whatever. I mean, people just know like it's referenced mm-hmm. everywhere. It's yeah. just it's open the pod bay doors exactly or exactly. whatever it is. I can't do or that, open Dave. The pod. Yeah, yeah. I like, can't do yeah, that, Dave. Exactly. The voice and its godlike <laughs> presence. I mean, it's just a villain that's like. I mean, it's got to be one of the best villains ever. Well, it, it to me, it's it's, yeah. it's in the top three greatest yeah. villains ever, dude. Like with Hans, and he's Wander, literally like, just a, a red light and a yeah. voice. Exactly, yeah. like that's it. Yeah. Exactly, that's all he is. It's insane, and then you just feel its presence everywhere. But weirdly enough, that's what's mm-hmm. going to like. That's what like that's the most scary thing. Like in our future, is shit like that. Totally, you know what totally. I mean? Like, and like you mm-hmm. recognize that voice. Yeah, you know, you recognize that scene. Like you're saying, like open the pod bay doors, Hal. Yeah, I can't do that. You know, yeah, just, like, it's just like you fuck. hear it in your head. <laughs> it just echoes around. I'm like, yeah, I think um, it really, like we said before, it just represents going all the way, never compromising, making sure that exactly what you want is there. And it'll pay off in the end. It's fucking vision, um, yeah. And I think this film represents that. And I think it also represents that the idea that putting something in front of the camera yeah. more often than not is going to be better than putting it in later. Because I feel there's parts of the film that don't age as well, like the ships flying. But for it's the most a, part, this it film still ages holds insanely up. Still holds well, up. dude. Yeah, insanely yeah. well. Yeah. So, 2001, number two. Can't wait to see it. 70 millimeter glorious fucking. <laughs> oh my god, dude. It's going to be so good. I'm, I'm going to see it as well. We were going to see it together, but I forgot about a prior engagement. But I'm seeing it the week after, and I'm really excited too. Gonna be and so Tiff good. is going with me, so and she Sweet. hasn't seen it. So oh, she, really oh, that's going to be the best way to see it. So lucky. Oh, I'm jealous. <laughs> viewing is in a theater yeah. in 70 <laughs> millimeter with like Dolby surround so- sound and shit. Fuck. Yeah. Dude. That's how I sold her. I was like, oh. you have to. You know? She's like, okay. Yeah. There's wow. not very many films I would literally say you have to watch in your... Even if you're not a film... Like, I don't care what type of movies you like. You have to watch 2000. I had my parents watch this. Right. They had never right. seen it before. And they they kept watching it. And my mom sleeps in every fucking movie. She'll sleep in, like, fucking, like, the most wild, craziest action movie. Yeah. But she stayed awake for it because she thought something was going to happen. That's awesome, dude. That's <laughs> and, she, so awesome. and she still gives me shit about it because she's like, you know, like, oh, that's that weird movie that you had me see. And I watched the whole thing. And it's a long movie, it you is. know? It's so amazing. And very man. slow pace. But so amazing. she watched the whole fucking thing. It's the best. It's awesome. Yeah. All right. So okay, we had it's Antichrist. Okay. It's an okay movie. Two thousand one. Um, right. Antichrist. Dude, I don't even know where to go. I think, Jacob's second. I think you guys are never going to guess it. So I'll just no say idea. it might be like Perfume. Well, maybe well, Perfume didn't even make no. his top ten. I don't. I have no idea. Your list has been so. It's going to be like The Little Mermaid. It well. It, <laughs> it might be The Little Mermaid. You guys are going to be. No, you no, guys no. are never going to guess Wait, it. So I'm just maybe say it's it. Ghost. Wait, Toy Story. Or Toy Story. Oh fuck. You guys are never going to guess it. All right. We did it on the podcast. Is it not reformatted? It's it's not. No, it's no, an it's anime not. movie. Oh, Ghost in the Shell. No, Jinro. It's uh, Jinro. Oh, fuck. Yeah, really. Shit. Jinro. Numero twi- uh, two. Numero dos. Holy Numero shit! Dos. You really underplayed um, how much that movie hit you then. <laughs> well, it's one of those things where like after I watch them, like it takes time for me to like process like what I like and. 
uh, Jinro has like for the past month or two, I can't remember when we watched it. I it's really sat with me. You know, I've I've thought a lot about how that story goes, like what makes it interesting to me, how it changes its scale, how it turns into a romance, um, and I really want to make a. Zelda I want to write an a Zelda adaptation that is inspired by Jinro. Like I feel like Zelda and Jinro like go together. And totally. uh, I, I, see I, that. I uh yeah, just like doing a Zelda adaptation in the style of, of that, but like have it be like a live action thing. But like taking the Jinro character and like doing I feel like that would be really interesting with, with Link. Dude, um, fucking write it, man. And honestly, that's just been at the oh yeah i'm totally gonna write i already have a title like i'm ready to go but um i really just want to uh like explore more of like what jinro is you know you know what i mean but i want to do it on my own terms like i don't want to watch any of the other things like i just want to branch out into like this alternate universe of what i think it could be almost like a fan fiction type type of thing um, but yeah, that movie just really inspired me for some reason. Um, and I never would have said that without this podcast. You know, That's I never awesome, would yeah. have said like, like I never would have ever probably watched this movie or <laughs> heard of it. really oh, any yeah. anime. Cause I've, I've never, I don't really watch anime. I'm not really a big anime guy, but, uh, yeah, this movie was very, very good. And it's been at the forefront of my mind ever since. I watched that's it. Awesome. That's so, fucking yeah. sweet. You know, this movie was sick. Right I can't wait for the live action, dude. Kim Ji Woon directing. Are you fucking that's kidding me? It's gonna be me? crazy. It's gonna be so good. Yeah, it'll be dope. Um, sweet man, that's good. I'm glad. Glad that wouldn't appear yeah, on your list. It definitely would never. Have I knew that it. you really liked it, but I wasn't expecting num- numero dos. You know? Yeah. I yeah, yeah I, that's I couldn't. Awesome. I mean, this is, this is just a a list. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. so hard to. Yeah. It's so hard to like put a list together. Uh, sure. especially for movies because it's like you know the number nine on my movie could easily be like a number one like right in, you know given totally. whatever mood i'm in yeah, you know what exactly. i mean oh, yeah. so exactly all right hit us with the neon demon it is it is huh? <laughs> no it neon could be demon. neon demon or only god forgives. it's kind of a uh a, a coin toss uh i think it's only god forgives i think it's his hipster i'm gonna go with neon demon so one of us is wrong Oh God! Or no, it is Neon Demon because of Jenna Malone. Okay, I'll go with. Only I don't God like Je- Jenna Malone. Oh, who's the one you like? She's all right, but she. I mean, I, I, I think out God of all of them, I think Abby Lee is the best. Uh, Abby in, Lee, in, yeah, in that's what I'm thinking Demon, of. Yeah. Abby Lee, yeah, <laughs> right. Neon Demon. Hit us with it. Oh, okay, well, you guys are really Locked actually both right because I cheated again and it's a tie. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, seriously, how can I pick that? How can I pick between Only God Forgives and the Neon Demon? I mean, seriously, they're by the Ugh, same director. I like them for the same fucking reasons. <laughs> Jacob's talking under his breath. You know what I mean? I like yeah, them for the I same fucking... That. Like, there's... I can't... I mean, how am I supposed to think which one's... Like, how am I supposed to pick which one's better? Well, like Jacob said, though, like, his number nine could be number one any day of the week, so... But it's like... Yeah. I, I like them for the exact same reasons, you know? It's fucking mood. It's fucking the way he shoots it's the way he edits it's the way he puts music together it's the, it's it's his vision i can't and when i see there's so many filmmakers like reffin and 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 lynch that i look at their visions as a whole and you look at all their films and it's all one vision mm-hmm. so when i when i see reffin I, it's hard for me to say i like this film better than this film 
because he does different things, but yet he does the same things too. And it, like I was able to split hmm. like Drive and Valhalla Rising from from these. Yeah. But I couldn't with these because they're both <laughs> at him at his weirdest. They're pretty you similar. Know? They yeah. are pretty similar, though. Like, when you, if you were to watch it back-to-back, you'd be like, holy shit, these could even take place in the same world. Yeah, yeah. And I, it's sure. like, I don't, it's hard. I can't describe it. I mean, I, I feel like, I, you know, I cheated four times because I had four, four ties. <laughs> but it's so hard for me. This, this fucking killed me. It was the only way that I was able to justify my top ten list. For and sure. even then, I'm still like, fuck. For sure. There's so many good movies. Yeah. But so yeah, funny. I mean, I kind of cheated. <laughs> but it's really almost one movie, in a sense, because it's the same... He's using the same techniques in the same style, and he's doing it again with his TV show. Um, but it's going to be a little bit more Western samurai. Um, That's going to be so sweet. You know, dude. but it's... Street samurai. It's like, it's going to be sweet. I, uh, but yeah, so Only God Forgives and Neon Demon. It's fucking awesome. Nice. There it is. <laughs> Why now don't you marry him? <laughs> well, mine's obvious. <laughs> you guys, I've, we've talked about this one. I've said it before. It's Apocalypse Now. The greatest film ever made. Ghost. Um, <laughs> Ghost now. <laughs> it, it, Byron kind of touched on some things, but I guess I'll kind of do it from my perspective. It's just, it really never ceases to amaze me how this film got made. Um, and then to go on to be really one of the greatest war films ever yeah. to be recorded ah. on celluloid. Uh, I think it's, it's really like a culmination. Everything that I've said about the films and how, what they represent, to me and like on my list um what i pulled from them this is just the accumulation of everything um i mean you just pick pick a part of it it's fu- pick any part of the movie it's fucking all it's fucking masterful uh and i'll and this is what i was telling byron that i'm gonna say something probably a little controversial but um i'll go so far as to say that full metal jacket platoon and saving private ryan never would be as they are Assuming that they ever happened at all, had Apocalypse Now never been made. That's true. Like, I really don't think those movies, hmm. especially Full Metal Jacket, because I can see so much influence from it, but it's just, I don't think those films would have even happened, really, No. without this one. Uh, it's just sure. it's too much of a legacy. And I think even uh, Thin Red Line you could throw in there, too. And, and Kong Skull Island. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, right? Yeah. That, well... <laughs> The only reason why Apocalypse Now maybe shouldn't have been made was Kong Skull Island. Because um, it paved the way for that piece of shit movie. All right. Uh, I mean, I've learned more about movie making by watching and studying this movie than any other movie out there. Um, and I've, and I've, I've seen a lot of movies. I mean, I've seen... I'm getting close to like a thousand movies, you know, and it's... This is the one. Uh, and it really just the scale you know it's again with like hero um and i think you know with 2001 the scale's there but this one took kubrick's you know scale yeah. and just blew it up yeah so far beyond what most filmmakers mm. ever get to most filmmakers never get to it i mean it's just it's insane and like byron said he kind of drove himself insane almost killed himself like yeah. you know um this is the guy who made the godfather Considered to be one of the greatest films ever made. And, and Godfather Part 2. And he believed <laughs> that he was making such a bad movie that he wanted to put a gun in his mouth and fucking blow his brains out. And he was like telling this to like his wife. like. Um, but even, you know, he, he made it through. He went through hell and made a true masterpiece. So this film to me represents the fear that comes with making a movie. Um, I think there are a lot of things to be scared of when you're making during that whole process. 
Um, and I think it's really when you embrace that fear, do you really manage to do something great? Um, it's kind of like, to me, it's kind of like one of those things, it's like it's the most important thing you can learn about filmmaking. Like, yeah, there's a lot of other shit you got to learn to make a film, but like understanding that even the greatest of the greats have uncertainty yeah. every time they make a movie, it's always scary. You got to embrace it in filmmaking and you kind of got to embrace it like in life in yeah. general. Like, no one knows what the fuck they're doing in life, so embrace it, and fucking, that's how you <laughs> get shit done, so. Apocalypse Now, greatest movie ever made. And a great fucking title, too. It's one of the greatest yeah. titles, yeah, yeah. You great know that whole, title. like, P. Diddy, like, vote or die? You know, I want to do, oh, like, a campaign, yeah. I want to do a watch Apocalypse Now or die <laughs> campaign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alright, that's my number one. Sweet. Alright, Jacob. Nice. Do we have a- so we're really ending on Ghost stories dude greatest Which film is my ever <laughs> made are you going ghost ghost um, is it really ghost because no, i didn't guess wait okay no oh, it's, ghost ghost ghost. it's ghost stories ghost didn't even make top 10 i don't think i didn't think ghost would i think he likes ghost but it's not like it's not like you watch ghost <laughs> is for it, like is it's it, filmmaking is, is like it, what, about, what about the little mermaid mermaid it might be a little I'm mermaid i'm trying to or guess toy story one could possibly it's like be. toy story toy little story? mermaid I, maybe he'll surprise you with like the incredibles you talked about I've it. talked about it on the podcast, but I'd be surprised if you guys guessed it. Because I've maybe mentioned it like once Children or twice. Children of Men? No, wait, really? No. We haven't done it on the podcast. Uh, did we do Children of Men? We did, oh, earlier on. I don't on. think you guys will guess it. Um, okay, I'll tell you the film. Is it a Ron right? Howard I film? Si- yeah, we no, do, we it's should uh, get a Soderbergh. Oh, it's is it out of sight? Oh, it's no. Sex Lies Videotape. Duh. Yeah. Really? That's it. Yeah. That. Yeah. Um, so, ooh, so I've seen this movie one time, Sex, Lies, and Videotape, and we're going to dive into Jacob's Diary for a moment, which is something I never do, but we're going to do it right now. Um, when I was in high school, I had a hard time getting over, uh, my high school crush, and it, and it stuck with me throughout college, right? So freshman year of college i was still obsessed with her but i wasn't obsessed with her i was obsessed with like the idea of her right you know what i mean yeah 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 um so freshman year sophomore year it still affected me uh and i watched my between my sophomore year and junior year of college i watched sex lies and videotape and it's i think it's about the closest thing i could get to having an epiphany um even though it's it's I, I don't like believe in epiphanies. I think they're dumb, but like, you know, <laughs> it, it, it like, it like kicked off this like thing, uh, in, in my mind. And I went on like a long walk after watching it. And like, after that, like my life changed. I started, um, that's when I started making movies. It's when I started, um, really just having more self-confidence. It's, it's when I really like, I, I, I changed, a lot it was like just like a movie that kind of represents this moment in my life of, of shifting from like that adolescence to to adulthood you know it, it was like this weird transitional thing um and like i never want that feeling to ever go away uh because and this movie like represents that and it like somehow in my brain it like is manifested in this movie um so that's why it's number one on here i don't think i'll ever change it if i ever make a number one but it's just like this deep personal connection i have to this movie that really that just symbolizes that transition that was really important for that's sick my that's life. fucking awesome so yeah that's why it's and that's a good movie one. too it really yeah. is a good yeah. movie 
I need it's a to really good movie, one. and I really want to watch it again. Uh, and I, I probably will. I, w- I watched it again but... like two months ago, and it's way better again than I had remembered it. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It's it's great. It's a great movie. Um, I don't, I'm starting to like lose what it's about, but I still like know the feeling. You That's know what I mean? Like I remember yeah, the yeah. feeling. It definitely about has it. a feeling. It's different. It's a it's a weird, and 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 it almost doesn't seem like a Soderbergh film, and it, yet it was his first. You know. So yeah. it's it's yeah, exactly. it's it's good. Yeah. Yeah. But I really I wanna make things that like touch other people in the same ways that that movie touched me, you know. So a lot of a lot of the things I've made in like college uh have been made specifically for certain people that I want them to watch. Right. Huh. Right. Sweet. So there's a bunch of movies that I've made that are like this is this person's movie that like I think like maybe it'll touch them or something. Oh, that's good. Cool. Cool um, way to think about your movies. Yeah. Sweet. That's awesome. So that's that. That's sick. We got it. We made it through. Two hours later. Nailed it. Okay, honorable okay, mentions. Very fast. Ghost, you don't get ghost, you don't get descriptions. Ghost stories. No descriptions. Yeah. Just give me the <laughs> give me the honorable mentions if you want. All right, Byron. I, mean, I got a whole got? bunch of honorable mentions. I got like Valhalla Rising, <laughs> Lucifer Rising, Mulholland Drive, you know. I mean, just all of Lynch's works. Big one for me is Crash by David Cronenberg, not the fucking Oscar-winning movie Crash. But I love David <laughs> yeah, Cronenberg's Crash. Um, the movie's so bad, dude. Uh, Michael Haneke's um, Caché and The Piano Teacher are really big influences on me. Yeah, you um, didn't put any Haneke. In I didn't. Yeah, and it's yeah, tough. Yeah. I it's like there's, yeah, that's you know, Haneke, like there's just a lot of lot of films that I just you know there's more Polanski that I really like. There's just there's so many filmmakers that I like that I didn't even have. I didn't have any Scorsese on there. Taxi Driver is a huge influence. Um, you know, same with Wolf of Wall Street. Love that movie. Um, there's so many. There's so many. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. Sick. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Jacob, what do you got in terms of uh, honorable um, So mine also, Mahan Drive is on here. Uh, honorable mention. Uh, the Dark Knight. Yeah. Old Boy. Hero. Ghost. Obviously. And, of course, Perfume. Sweet, yeah. My nice. one true love. Same. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I would say um, Trash Humpers was up there. Oh hell Blair yeah. Witch, Voyage of Time, uh, the Malik, Baraka. Oh, Blair Witch, that's surprising. Baraka and Samsara, oh, uh, just for the visual side. Django, Pan's Labyrinth, mm. Frankenstein. Um, oh yeah. Oh M M. Wow, Frankenstein. Yeah, it's all, that was on my top ten for the longest time. I had to cut it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, North by Northwest. Um, Oh, North by Northwest, solid. Yeah, Twelve Angry Men. These are all ones I don't. What's the oldest? What? What's the oldest movie you guys picked? Uh, In my top ten, that would be for, for two thousand one for him. No, Yojimbo. Oh, wait. Yojimbo. Right yeah, here was Yojimbo. I think Yojimbo came out right before. Oh yeah, Yojimbo. Yeah, is I think my oldest one. Mine was Chinatown, nineteen seventy four. But the. The weird thing is, is that's what's so weird about my top ten. I was telling Keith before we talked, talking. Most of the movies that I watch over and over again are old. They're like sixties and seventies. But like the right. like M was seriously on my top ten. It was one of the last ones I cut out from my top ten, and that was made in nineteen thirty one. Like th- this, it's one of my wow. favorite movies of all time, and it was my favorite movie until I got into college because it was only when I got into college I was able to see other films. Right, right. <laughs> um, oh. But it was my favorite film for the longest time. Yeah, I would also say Halloween, The Thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, Saving Private Ryan, obviously, too. And, you know, it's just... Yeah, there's, there's a lot there's of good... There's so many good, a lot of good movies, ones, you know, A lot of ones that yeah, just really hit you ones. when you watch it. Um, the Void. I know that's going to be a controversial Probably, choice. Um, 
the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, right? I still need to see oh, that. Oh, dude, it, but, uh, I totally forgot but, about the movie. But Jacob, I really liked it, yeah. I may have put that in my top ten had I remembered that one. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Uh, so, yeah, there's so many good fucking movies, uh, Brick. man. It's I put Brick up Brick. there pretty high for me, yeah. So, <laughs> I know. I know. Sorry. Right. I, I liked it. It's, yeah. Sorry. It's my, I, didn't, I didn't mind Brick. It's not my, my movie. It's not, okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah i mean only only god forgives neon demon obviously high up there um lahane lahane is very oh that was one of the first ones that was kind of like indie that watched i watched and was like wow i'm watching like an indie movie like and then it just it's really great it's just really great it's really impactful um so yeah full metal jacket you know gummo yeah gummo yeah fuck yeah i mean yeah so the sacrifice I'd probably even put up there. Mm-hmm. It's not as rated as high star wise, but I mean that movie was oh pretty important. Uh, if you when you see it, Solo. Oh yeah, we're gonna Dude, do we're gonna so do extreme good. cinema at some point. Um, what when that is, I don't know, but it's not at some point. So yeah, that is the top ten with some honorable mentions. Um, we got there, so. I don't really have much more to say beyond that. Um, <laughs> if you guessed, you the listener guessed all of our top ten, we will send you a hundred dollars. <laughs> you can't prove that. Dude, get us. We'd have to do like a poll beforehand. <laughs> so let us know. That would be sick, actually. Though, like, <laughs> if someone guessed like, every single one, every three of our—I mean, like, Scouts Honor, if, yeah. <laughs> Scouts Honor—and like three years from now, when we have like a million <laughs> listeners. And we should do a poll where it's like, okay, you have to send in what you think are each of our top tens yeah. are, because they will have changed. And because um, like, yeah, because it's gonna dude, be, be because like once upon a time in Hollywood and Dune, they're all gonna be released, and I have a feeling those are gonna Suspiria, be up there. Yes, fucking, yeah. dude. I, I, I what I really want to do is do a top ten per decade. So like, what's our top ten of nineteen seventies, nineteen you know fifties, forties? What if it's just best film of the decade so. and just go through? I think all that the would be more doable. Maybe I could maybe do. No, a top I couldn't three. do it. <laughs> I could maybe do a top three or top five, but I couldn't. Byron, do a top you could 10. do. I couldn't do that for seventies. Byron, though. you could tie like, like five movies. films in each one. You'll like be fine. Straw Dogs, Bad Timing, fucking Chinatown, fucking. A gear wrath of God. You gotta, you gotta. Like, how could you keep it? Apocalypse Now. Fuck, that's all seventies. Like, I know. Clockwork Orange. I would say you could do a top three. I'd be down for a top three or top five of each decade. I could. I think we could do that. I could easily do top ten. (laughs) Do top ten and then tell us your top five. Okay. (laughs) Fuck. School of Rock. (laughs) (laughs) This guy. All right. So if you have any questions or opinions, send an email to me. These are films. They're films, not movies. Uh, Also check out our Facebook page. Um, If you like the show, please rate it wherever you listen because it helps others find us. Um, Trying to push it definitely through the Apple podcast and stuff like that. Uh, If you feel like you want to support the show even further than the review, uh, Anchor has developed a way to send money to creators to the site. So uh, it's pretty easy to do anything helps obviously it's not required um but you know it helps there are there are certain expenses for Mm -hmm. the show so uh you can also follow us oh yeah okay you can also follow us on letterbox at jacob fultz byron guette g-o-u-e-t-t-e and hyperion creator for me also check out jacob's new podcast uh cinema therapy which you can tell us about 
Yeah, um, new episode's out right now. Go check it out. It's on Melancholia. Uh, and yeah, look forward to the next episode. Sweet. So I'll listen to that one tomorrow. Yeah. I yeah. listen to the other one, so sweet. Um, it is it is out in the listener's uh, eyes. Oh, so oh, okay. Hopefully, I guess it depends on when you... <laughs> release this episode yeah. so yeah. hopefully it's out if not wait get... a couple days and then go check it out <laughs> i've been struggling to get on on uh, schedule for it but i will i'll get this one out no you're soon. good you're good um take so, your time <laughs> speaking of that so we're gonna make kind of a bit of a change here to the show um which may or might not affect some of you guys uh but basically what we're gonna do is, is switch to a bi-weekly release schedule uh just kind of a lot going on um and trying to do the movies and the episodes and editing and everything else is just kind of a lot when i should be trying to focus on other things um and every and jacob and byron are focusing on work so we don't want to stop the show so what we're going to do is switch to bi-weekly and we're going to still be doing two films but there is a chance that we might switch to three films uh just to kind of help round out i guess the topic a little bit more um but to kick that off what we're going to do is Go to the wuxia genre. So we've kind of poked fun at Jacob for doing this in his pitch fest <laughs> recently. So we're just gonna we're gonna tackle it. Um, and I know we've been doing a lot of Asian cinema recently, but fuck it, Asian cinema is awesome. So yeah, right. um, I apologize if it's not your thing. And we'll get to your thing later. We'll get there. I'm sure we will. <laughs> I promise we'll get there. Um, right. But it's we'll get to your Jason Siegel later. <laughs> Maybe not Steven Seagal, but... It's a penis joke. That's where we'll stop. Steven Seagal. <laughs> um, we're just kind of in an Asian kick right now, which is kind of the thing. Um, and then we're going to touch on some more horror, and I apologize if that's not your thing, but hey, um, it's our show. But hey, so. we're kicking around some Asians, kicking around some some horrific yeah. things. We want. So next, next and episode... And some erotic. Uh, so the episode yeah. release will be two weeks-ish from... Uh, the release of this episode uh, so and in that episode we're going to be talking about Ashes of Time and Judgment of an Assassin so Ashes of Time and Judgment of an Assassin um, just kind of talking about the wuxia genre what it is um, it's how it's kind of internationally grown and its influence and whatnot. so thanks for listening to this episode and getting through it with us Thanks, no, guys. it wasn't typical yeah. <laughs> it was very painful to me to listen i'm sure to all the refin shit so. <laughs> it wasn't that much refin thanks we teamed I love it. How we're just like making you hate him even though you haven't seen like any of his movies except for like drive dude i've seen uh i've seen drive and i've seen half i think you've seen what do you see I've the neon demon movies do you what see the neon? of course we watched it for the podcast okay, oh, yeah, right. did you did see watch. only god forgives yet no. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He has seen Only God for Years. You have? I have seen it. But he hasn't yeah, seen I just, Bronson. I, I didn't really get it. Valhalla Rising. I haven't seen Bronson. I haven't seen Valhalla Rising. Yeah, dude, that's over half. He hasn't seen any of the Nailed Pusher it. series. You'd probably like the Oh, Pusher did he series. do all those? Yeah, the Pusher series are good. Yeah. Well, there, oh, he, he was an executive. So I have seen He was under. an executive producer of another of a remake called Pusher as well, of a remake of his own film, but he was the only executive producer on it yeah. so don't watch that one first <laughs> yeah they just gave him yeah that's just a that bonus makes sense yeah. yeah yeah so make sure you watch ashes of time and judgment of an assassin um be a part of the discussion thanks for listening peace ghost stories <laughs>
is my actual number one. <laughs> it, was all a, it was all a dream. Oh, fuck. Wake up now. This was in our actual top ten. <laughs> Tune in next episode. <laughs>